you remember anything about this joke? Like anything at all? No, but I can remember another one that I had. Okay, give it to me. Uh, it requires setup. <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> no, I was just looking at you. And uh, I was like, man, I got to find a way to be like, oh, you know what you should get? And then a haircut. That's rude. That's very rude. I know. That's when I went over there to grab the tea. I was like, no, that one's biting. I <laughs> Remember two weeks ago when I was like, this Sunday, I'm getting- no bones about it. Yeah. I'm getting a haircut. That's how they came around. I was like, I, I know. Like I came it. home and I was like, what the fuck? That was like, the first thought I had was like, yeah. hair's still long. Huh? And I was like, I like it though. <laughs> Every time I think about getting a haircut, I have a good hair day. I was like, oh, yeah. this is fine. Yeah. Once my hair hits this length, I'm ready to get rid of it. Yeah, the days like today, I see it. I'm like, ugh, half of it's tucked into my shirt because it's so long, but I forget I have to pull that on my shirt when I get dressed in the morning. Mm. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, good joke, I guess. Mm. It wasn't really a joke. It was just you being mean to me. Yeah, it's kind of rude, yeah. Yeah. Not really a joke. No, I had another one. Um, oh, yes. It's also, it's, it's, it's situational, so we got to wait for the situation to arise. But I remember it now. Is it going to come up, or do we have to just wait for I like... I really hope it's going to come up. Okay. Because it kind of involves your master plan for our cold open. Okay. So if you want to bring that up, that'd be the okay. perfect um, setup to my punchline. I have so many more of these than I did last time. Oh, okay. Uh, some of these don't have a lot of legs. Well, so what's I'll going just, on? I'll fire... What do you mean? What is this? My list of cold opens that we did last week. We did this last week. Yeah, but like, what? what what's uh, what is it? I think our cold opens are bad. No, what is this? Like, we give it like a name or something. There's a list of things you dislike. Oh, things that I'm just mad about, and I have nowhere else to complain about. Yeah, you know who else has a segment like that? Who? Jade from Victorious. Does she? Uh huh. She do it on her. Her little splash face thing on her splash dot com. Yeah. Is it is it better than mine? Yes. Okay. No, it's not. It's called things I hate, and like the one that the only one that I know is because it was clipped in the uh, eight hour analysis of the second half of Victorious that I've been watching lately. Uh, her complaining about aloe vera. She's like, it does nothing. It's just gooey. <laughs> and I immediately was like, no, it doesn't. I just had a face. Uh, like when I was in Florida, I got burned on my face, and my grandpa had some, and I put it on every couple hours. Went to bed that night. Woke up the next day. Didn't even hurt. Yes, it's gooey and gross, but it does the trick. Cool. Yeah. So aloe vera. What what the fuck? What the fuck, Jade? I guess that's also not really a joke. I was just pointing out that it's more of an observation. Like a factoid, yeah, yeah okay. something like that. You'll get know. them. I, you'll I, next. You know what? Next week, I know you're gonna come up with just a dynamite joke. Maybe <laughs> waiting for it. I'm gonna put maybe it, later in the show. I'll have I'm a gonna joke. I'm gonna put it in my notes. Next week, Christian have a joke. <laughs> I'll try all week. Anyway, here, uh, this is from my list. Uh, some of the things aren't, like, thing, uh, things that I'm mad about. And some of these, like I said, don't have a lot of legs, so they're not that funny. A uh, list of fun car names that I think are funny. Mazda Miata. And a list. I gotta work on that still. <laughs> um, yeah, that, you know what that reminds me of? We'll continue my bit. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Um, Jason... What's his... The big tall one. Siegel. Siegel. Yeah, his character has an episode where he... His idea of stand-up is just like, yeah, some fish have some funny names, don't they? And then he just lists them. And same thing with uh, also Willem Dafoe's name. He's like, kind of sounds like a bullfrog crawling, crying out to a owl or something like that. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, so anyways, I'm just going to keep tying it into sitcoms. Everything you got. I'm going to try. Should I stop doing this? Is this what no, you're getting at? No, no. 
You're like, hey, this is like this bad thing I saw. And I'm like, okay. And then you keep going. And you're like, oh, this is like this other bad thing I saw. It's called scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, on my absolutely. End. Well, now I'm just flustered. I don't know. Um, What's the next one? I don't have a next one. I'm just jumping around whichever, oh, okay, like okay. the ones that I don't Catch think. Catch your eye. I gotcha. Ones I don't think I have. Uh, Maybe I'll have something nice to say this time. Uh, why am I crying all the time? Do you got something funny for that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Go ahead. Check that one off. Oh, here's a good one. I hope you have something for. Chris, why don't you answer my text messages anymore? Uh, I, you were in Florida for goddamn nine days, and I texted you a thousand times, and immediately it said red. And I was like, cool, here comes an answer. And it's not like I'm just like, hey, here's a funny thing. I'm like, hey, Chris, yeah. here's a question I need an answer from. And just nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, my uh, I have a long list of people who had the same complaint. And for that, I apologize. All right, well, that wasn't very funny. Do you just want to talk about these movies now? You don't have any more? Or do you feel like that was enough? Oh, I have a lot more, but I, I'd like to save them. I have one that uh, ties very closely into this movie. Inconsistent haircuts in movies. Drives me crazy. Yeah. I know you got to do it sometimes, mm-hmm. but, like, I noticed it in the Batman when we watched it last week. I noticed mm-hmm. it in Taxi Driver. Just- well, I noticed it more than I've ever noticed it before in any movie ever in Taxi Driver. It's, like, in your goddamn grill. Like, yeah. He goes from three separate lengths. There's like three separate lengths and the mohawk, so kind of like four haircuts. Yeah, it's, he's got there's four one different that's haircuts. Like grown out, then there's one that's really short, and then there's like one that's between the two lengths, between grown out and short, and then also there's the the mohawk thing. But the mohawk yeah. thing, whatever. I don't really care about the mohawk thing. But yeah, yeah. Put a wig on him. Like it doesn't. Like it. It almost feels like the movie is a little bit out of order. Like when you watch it. Yeah, it gives it like a kind of like a. It almost feels a bit like a delusion. Yeah. You know? I feel like we should cut this out and then talk about it when we talk about Taxi Driver. Because my idea for these cold opens, it's a cold open. It's supposed to be a pow, here's a funny thing, and then we cut the theme song. Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. Real quick, this is definitely going to get cut probably, but I want to talk about the Octopus's Garden. The song? I'm warming up to it. Yeah. I didn't know you didn't like it. Yeah, it's one of those songs where I... That and Yellow Submarine, I like everything except for like the titular lyric almost okay this is something about it that's very silly to me but i was warming up to a little bit because i was like oh octopus's garden like i guess i just started to finally think about it for the first time and i was like well in a sense i mean he probably means it in like not like a psychedelic like to me octopus's garden sounds like a psychedelic thing but he probably means it in a very british sense like as in like the like an octopus's yard like i want to be like that's what they call like their yeah you know they're out they're outside of their domain kind of a thing they, they call their front yard and their backyard their yeah front their yard garden their backyard yeah so like Stupid. it just kind of like demystified a little bit and sounded a little less like buzzwordy and I was like oh he's it's kind of like saying like I want to be hanging out with Paul in his back garden drinking tea you know and I was like oh yeah okay I can kind of get down with like that I got another note that I haven't written down but I think about it every time we do this yeah. Take off your watch, throw it in another room. It beeps every hour. <laughs>
<laughs> There's actually a song on the record where you can hear my watch beat. That's very funny. <laughs> I met a British person the other day. I was thinking about it the whole time. I was like, I got so many questions. Like, I don't want to be like that, but I got so many questions that are like, why would you? Why do you call it a garden? Explain yourself to me. That was one of my biggest ones. My other big one mm-hmm. is like, cool. You're a British person. You're in America. That's cool. That makes sense. Why are you in? Why are you in Ferndale? Yeah, very strange. That That's felt- I think about that all the time when I think about people immigrating to America. I mean, across time. You know, like when I hear stories of like even my grandmother. I mean, I get it in the sense that people like move to wherever their family was, but then it's like, well, then why did they move there? But yeah, like yeah. with my grandmother, she's a German immigrant, or was, rest in peace. Oh, sorry, rest in peace. Who, uh, yeah, just like at the age of five, her family like moved to like Troy. Like that, I kind of get if it's old timey. <laughs> but it's only like 1955. It's not that old timey. That's yeah, pretty old timey to me. <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like a. Uh, a hip young 20 something year old British person mm-hmm. hanging out in Ferndale, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Seems like a strange choice to me. Yeah. Didn't ask him about it because there's probably a very sad story behind it. Yeah. No, I, the my, older no, I get, the more I realize don't ask anybody anything. Yeah. Like, because no, like, when I was a kid, I used to like, that's how I'd start questions. I like ask people about their stuff and like what they got going on. Then just very slowly over time, I realized, no, you're just, you're asking to, you're asking for someone to basically, yeah. Hey, why don't you tell me? Everything the traumatic that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Knowing my luck, I'd be like, "Why are you in Ferndale?" And they'd be like, "Oh, well, my brother has this weirdly specific type of cancer, mm-hmm. and there's one hospital in Michigan that can treat it, and we can afford it, and it's four hours away, and I have to drive there to see him every day. But this is the only place I can afford to live, you know." Yeah, yeah, definitely be like, something like that. So why do you call it garden? Yeah, and I think that's kind of why I've lost my ability to connect with new human beings. Mm-hmm. It's because I am so afraid to ask questions because I'm like, ah, I don't want to hear the bad story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Because when I was a kid, I used to, excuse me, be like our friend who shall not be named. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to be like making friends with the, the guy who was ringing me up at like Burger King and stuff. Or, yeah. Yeah, just talk to people. Yeah, I used to very much so be able to like, I wouldn't do that, like hang out with people. Not hang out with people, but like strike up a conversation with a cashier or something like that. But I very much so like at a party or something like that could just turn it on and be like, mm-hmm. I'll go talk to this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm just like, no, why would I do that? I don't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So anyways, to go back to realizations about words and whatnot, I was sitting in the back and I saw a hazmat, but I saw a hyphen in the middle and I was like, huh, I never thought about it as a conjunction of hazardous material suit. I've never thought of that either, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Thanks, I, Victorious. <laughs> I saw I saw a picture the other day of a, a, a hazardous waste barrel cut in half to show you what's inside of it. Yeah. Chris, what do you think is inside a hazardous waste barrel? Well, now you're making me think that there's something in there to like contain the it's, hazardous waste. You think? But has, I thought it was a b- barrel of goo. I it's a barrel of glowing green goo. No, yeah. it is a bunch of equipment and hazmat suits separated by a bunch of concrete. Okay. So no, there's no green goo in hazmat barrels. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's a good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I got something for you. It's not that interesting. But my great aunt Frankie, when we were cleaning our, our house, when she passed, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Quick got the draw with that one. Yeah. Uh, I primed you with my dead grandmother, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, she had like two huge, like uh, Cold War era water bins that like the government issued to like keep your water safe in case of yeah. like nuclear or whatever. So there's that. Cool. 
Yeah. Oh, Chris, fuck. Did you ever watch? Oh, no, you didn't. You just threw it across. I threw my watch away, yeah. If you had to guess, what time would it be? Uh, mail time. Mail time! <laughs> I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like, oh, God, 9... There's a clock right there. 20? Hey, I'm at 9.20. All right. There's this girl at work who has just this insane ability to just guess the time within three minutes of whatever it is. She doesn't wear a watch. She always goes, Nick, what time is it? And I go, what time do you think it is? And she's like, oh. And she thinks about it. Always right. Blows me away. Taxi driver. Taxi driver. Martin Scorsese's taxi driver. Oh, shit. Dri I'm sorry. I threw the wrong one. Too. <laughs> Anyways, you're saying? No, yeah, she just knows the time. Whatever. <laughs> These are little babies this time. Yeah, they fit in the envelope. Uh, the Terminator. Skagagunkagunk. Skagagunkagunk. It's the Terminator. Yeah, it is. James Cameron's 1984 tech noir classic is a little goofy, definitely rough around the edges, and scored by, I think, one guy with the world's first Casio keyboard. It's filled to the brim with bad stop motion, uh, distracting puppets, and absolutely terrifying prosthetic hand heads. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, now remastered in full HD, you can see Arnold Schwarzenegger's whole wiener a bunch. Check it out. 8.5 out of 10. Um, Chris, what did you think about the Terminator? I was reading on Wikipedia. Yes, I am. A genius, a man of culture. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's read on Wikipedia. James Cameron came up with the end of this uh, idea with this. He had a fever dream. Yeah? Yeah. That sounds like him. Doesn't really talk about anything else. I assume probably had to do with, like, our robot coming after him or something. You know, but... who You know who else came up with the idea for their very famous and successful movie movie franchise uh, based on a fever like, dream? spooky dream? I feel like I know this. Give me a hint. It was also like a news story, I think. I can't remember. Maybe I'm just wrong. I thought I had read that it was It was like a news story combined with a nightmare he had that Wes Craven came up with Nightmare on Elm Street based yeah, on like... It wasn't a hint. You just told me, but okay. I there was some guy that. who died, like a kid who died in his sleep because of how bad his nightmare was or something like that, or I don't know. I, I'm making that part up because how the fuck would they know? He died. Yeah, that's a great point, yeah. But uh, or I, I swear to God, I think he had like a, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I've never gotten an idea for anything from my dreams. I have here and there. I'll just wake up with like a sentence or something in my head, and I'm like, yeah. that's cool. No, absolutely. Like most of my dreams, especially growing up, nowadays they're more named mundane. But growing up, it would be like my family's talking to me, and I can't understand them. And also, I'm in like my great aunt's um, hunting cabin, but for some reason, there is a three inch differential between like the entire house and then like how, excuse me. Like the, the 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 floor's actual height of like the kitchen for some reason, and I make note of that mentally, and then I'm being made to make the dishes, and my whole family's yelling at me, but I can't understand them. You know what I mean? Can you read in your dreams? Never once have I done so. I hear a lot of people say like, "Oh yes, I usually wake up from a dream because I'll look at a piece of paper and be like, oh, I can't read this. Oh, I'm I'm asleep." Inception. I, oh my god, that's so Inception. All the time, I get text messages in my dream that I read really yeah that's crazy i don't think i've ever done any reading in any of my dreams that i can remember offhand that i can remember have you ever had an inception have you ever realized that i'm dreaming yeah not that i can think of offhand when i was younger i feel like i i feel like when i when i was younger i can remember a couple of instances of something like that where i'm like oh hmm 
yeah, probably when I was younger a couple of times, but not like I could control it from that point. I would just kind of wake up. I'd be like, oh, I think this might be a dream. But now that I'm an adult, yeah, it's I've not had anything like that, no. I used to be a little freak when I was in high school. Yeah. And I had like a lucid dream once for just like a, like a minute, it felt like. I was aware that I was in a dream and uh, then I woke up. And so I started doing a lot of research, like, how do you lucid dream? Like, is there a way that you can make yourself do that? And, like, I researched a bunch of techniques and, like, tried them and stuff like that. Like, the biggest one I did is, like, you draw two dots on your hand, like, every day. And every time you look down and you notice them, you go, okay, it's 9-16. I'm awake. I'm standing here. This is what I'm doing. And I'm awake. So that if you're ever in a dream and you see those or you don't see them, you go, okay, it's, oh, shit, I'm in a dream. And then you can lucid dream. I tried that for like months on end and then I had a lucid dream that had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I was like doing laundry at like a laundromat, which I've never done in my life. And I don't, I don't even remember what happened, but at some point I was like, oh, I'm in a dream right now. Cool. Well, might as well finish this laundry. And then I just did laundry <laughs> in my dream and then I woke up. Like it was like, I knew I was in a dream, but I didn't have like the mental strength to be like, I'm going to make a bunch of shit explode or yeah. do this and that. And I was just like, all right, well, I know. So yeah. I'll just finish this. Yeah. And it sucked. It was bad. I don't recommend lucid dreaming. It's not fun. You just mm-hmm. do mundane stuff. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Mitch Hedberg jokes where he's like, I love sleep, but I hate dreaming. He's like, I'm trying to get some rest. And now suddenly I have to build a canoe with my ex-landlord or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway. Yeah, what that's exactly you? how I feel every time I have a dream. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Not really, but I don't. it's I, funny. Either I have dreams that are just like crazy mundane or very stressful like that. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I have not had, and here I go, I'm about to have the worst one I've ever had in my goddamn life. Uh, mark my words, I'm going to have sleep paralysis tonight, but I have not had like even like a nightmare or anything like that in a very long time. No stress dreams, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my dreams are just like... 13 year old boy incel stuff just like oh yeah. i'm dating a girl but you know? my, my, i'll have some dreams like that that are eventful and not stressful like like i had one where i was married yeah i have some marriage months. dreams sometimes but like as the dream goes on because it's a dream and nothing stays consistent my wife is just a different woman every 15 seconds mm-hmm. it's very strange i had a stress dream that i told you about like six months ago that very much so felt like a bad a24 movie like i was at a halloween party at like my house but it was also our house that we used to live in but also it was my grandmother's house that's not very a24 and film like mm. um but it was a halloween party and just everybody i knew was there and it was like a movie the streets were just packed because it was halloween people like walking up and down the streets partying and trick-or-treating and stuff like that and people were just coming in and out of the house and then I was wearing a ghost costume, mm-hmm. like just a sheet over my head. And I was just going from like room to room, watching all my friends be all my friends from all of time. Mm-hmm. Just like I'd go in this room and, hey, here are my friends from when I was a child doing childhood stuff. And here's friends from when I was in middle school. Here's friends from when I was in high school. Here's friends from college, this and that. And I remember being like, oh, wow. Just all my friends in one place. This is insane. Wait a second. I'm not friends with most of these people anymore. This will never happen again. This isn't happening right now. And then I woke up and I was like, 
and I started heaving because I was having anxiety attack. I was like, that was a, off. That was the worst thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. But no, I did have, I was going to say, I, 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 have you ever had sleep paralysis? Well, just real quick, that specifically that dream reminded me of when I was a kid, I was obsessed with that idea. Like I remember multiple times like bawling my eyes out and making like full page front and back like lists of like my favorite like cartoons and favorite movies and favorite songs and all of my friends and their phone numbers because I was like, one day I'm going to be like 35 and I'm not going to remember any of this, but all this is so important to me and That's I'm going to forget it all. You That's know? actually very sweet. Weird wasn't at the time I was very upset about yeah. it uh, as I've said before I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast but I used to call my uh, me and my grandma uh, Debbie rest in peace rest in peace uh, she used to call me a lot when I was a kid and I can remember um, talking to her one time on the phone and same thing I was just bawling because I was like if because someone had like mentioned like explained reincarnation to me and then I just went off on a trip I was like if that's real and I die tomorrow and then I come back, but I don't know my parents and my parents don't know that I'm okay, but they're still crying and like mourning me. That's the saddest thing I can think of that I'm okay. And yet they're going through all of that. Yeah, I think like while a... I'm alive kind of a thing, technically, because I'm a new person kind of a thing. And it's not to go into another tangent inside of this tangent. I, that's all bunch of horseshit. Oh, at reincarnation? Yeah, like, even if it is true, if you become something else, but then all your yeah. memories are wiped and you don't remember your past life, uh-huh. that's a new guy, baby. That's not me anymore. <laughs> that's nothing. In my mind, that's nothing. Yeah. That, nothing about that is comforting or reassuring. Or, yeah. It's, it's nothing. Like, yeah. I, I, it's technically true. Your DNA, you pump into another person and they shit out another you that yeah. doesn't have any of your memories. Mm-hmm. Cut out the part where I said you pump and then they, you shit. No, that's fine. We'll leave that in. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's like really, really a bummer that I hope science is not right about. I just really hope science isn't right about it. Just the idea that your consciousness is like literally just a chemical reaction because that's like really sad. I'm not saying that I hope there's like a like afterlife or anything like that, but like, God, I guess I am also. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily want there to be like a heaven where like I go and like Van Halen's always playing and the orange juice never stops flowing, but, <laughs> but it's just really, 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 for some reason that bums me out. Just the sentence that like your consciousness is a chemical reaction. That's just a bummer. I don't know why, but like just hearing that more than anything about like the, the demystifying of like the afterlife, like that's yeah. the one that really bums me out. It's just the idea that like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's true because, like, if you put a little bit of too much of whatever in there, suddenly you're dead. Yeah. You know? I think that's... I feel the exact opposite way about that. That one comforts you? Yeah. I think it's very neat. Yeah. Like, I... I don't like ascribing to the whole, like, you know, I'm a cool I'm a cool atheist guy who doesn't believe in none of that shit. And it's all about science and stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, I can be open to whatever, but thinking about it that way, mm. that your consciousness is just a chemical reaction. Yeah. And that chemical reaction has led to me and you sitting here mm. in front of these computers that someone of uh, someone else's chemical reaction made. Yeah. Talking to these mics. And yeah, it's so fragile, like you said, if you just get a little mixture of this in there, it all falls apart and stuff like that. And Such a simplistic way for me to phrase that. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I personally, I think like God has Bunsen burners and he's like, ah, shit, there's a little too, too much sodium chloride in that one. Yeah. 
And if it is that, and uh, that's all it is, like it is, but if there's nothing afterwards, and yeah. all we have going right now is just this mixture inside of our brains that's making us think and talk, and mm. therefore we are, I'm fine with that. I yeah. That's fine. I think that's... I guess another way that I'd like to phrase it is even if there is a spirit, I would be more comfortable with the idea that it dies when you die than like for some reason the chemical reaction thing. For some reason that that, that just like the the, the, the 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 baked into that is like the idea of spilling or like it's just so easy. Like it's <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it just sounds so like. No, I get what you mean. I, what you I mean. hate it. Ugh, just the phrase. It's almost like the idea that I have blood in me, where I'm just like I know it's true, but you don't have to say it because I don't like thinking about it. It just makes it feel a little bit more special to me. You know? Yeah. Instead of having a soul that goes on forever and ever and ever, mm. we just got this. We got this little, we got this glass of milk that we can't spill. <laughs> we can like, spill it. No, you can spill it. No, not like we don't want to spill it. You can't like. Some people want to spill it. Okay. For, for the most part, <laughs> we got this little glass of milk that if you spill it, it's over. Oh, yeah. And there's something very precious about that yeah. to me. I, yeah. know, I've, I haven't thought about this enough to have a, a, an elegant way to say it, but yeah. other than our brains and being our glass of milk. But. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get to eat a little bit of cookies, and those are drugs in the milk, and, and they're tastier. Yeah, when you do it. When you dip a little bit of cookie in there. A little bit of milk comes out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's also a weird thing, like... Uh, this would be a good segue into the Terminator, which I'm sure we're at like an hour and a yeah, we've been talking a lot about not the Terminator for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's such a weird thing. Like just that, like it really makes me feel like uh, an animal um, in a beautiful way. I don't mean it in like a, but just in like the visceral, like how visceral it is. Like just that thing where like when someone dies and it's just like gone, they're just gone. Like there's something that like, I feel like I don't even have to say anything other than that. Just like that, like switch goes off. Yes, that's and that's so like. That's, to be perfectly honest with you, yes, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's when just the milk that is all gone. Yeah, it's no longer sweet and nice. It's very scary <laughs> to me. But while that milk is still in that cup, it's you know what they call it now what dirt nap. Yeah, I thought of a second part of that analogy. You're walking around with a cup of milk, right? And that's your brain and your consciousness. And you know, sometimes you spill a little bit out. Sometimes you dip a cookie in there. A little milk comes out when you do that. But if you're lucky, you carry it around long enough that that milk goes really bad. <laughs> And eventually, your son or daughter goes, oh, give me that, and just dumps it into the garbage, and you're gone. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and for some reason, uh, the the people in charge of that kind of thing uh, sometimes say, hey, get one more smell of this before it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe that milk will call, and they'll be like, how bad does that smell? And you're like, mom, why would you put me through that? <laughs> but, uh... On that similar topic, kind of, uh, we were watching Terminator, and one of the first things that struck me uh, was that this and, like, Predator and Alien are three very close, chronologically, uh, the movies that are just people being like, hey, how about, like, this really cool um, sci-fi idea on top of the slasher format, basically. Like, we'll take the slasher genre, but we'll do a sci-fi movie with it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's something that I really... It's like, this movie is my favorite type of science fiction. Okay. Not... Like, it almost feels like, to a lesser extent, I don't know, something like uh, Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Where 
yeah, that sci-fi stuff is here, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of the main point, but also it's not exactly what the movie's about. Right, because the it's movie's about like the, the like like okay, so now you, you're a human being. It actually plays pretty well into what I'm talking about, which is that like most of this movie is just there's a predator after yes a, exactly a prey yeah you said it while we were watching it's like the perfect like yeah like primal brain thing which is what like, i'm trying to like connect it with with the yeah. dying thing or whatever is yeah primal brain it's that exact thing where i was like it's so funny that as a species we all gather around the tv to watch someone get away and just be like look look they got away look yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's very funny to me yeah and it's great <laughs> i love that i think like a good 45 minutes pass in this movie before kyle reese looks at um Sarah Connor. Hamilton. Her last name's Hamilton, I think. Sarah Connor is Asher's name. Julia Hamilton, I think. No, Linda Hamilton? I think it's Julia Hamilton. I think it's Linda something, not Hamilton. Um, We could definitely look it up, but we won't. Um, I might. It's Linda Hamilton. Oh. Wow. Anyways, it's like 45 minutes before he turns to her and goes... This is what's happening. Yeah. This is what happened in the future. This is what the Terminator is. This is mm-hmm. why we're here doing this. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. Because before that, it is just what you're saying. It's almost like a slasher film or a yeah. horror film where it's just like big scary guys coming and he's not stopping. Yeah. Um, I love so many things about this movie. One of the things that I love, I, I guess I'll just make my thesis statement and then I'll go into like my examples. Such an earnest outing. This is a very yeah. just... Uh, hard on your sleeve, like we're making a sci-fi film, guys. Which is kind of, you know, sometimes you lose sight of when something becomes like a franchise. Yes. You know, <laughs> because yeah. it's hard to think that at some point someone like was like, "Oh boy, I got a great idea." You yeah. Know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I know we no, go ahead. take turns, but I'm gonna bleed my thesis into yours because I sure. think they're exactly the same. This almost, to a certain extent, I might be putting my foot in my mouth because it's it, it's an older movie, so. It probably had a decent budget. Yeah. But this feels like the best student film I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, the thing about Halloween, right? Or like the yeah. thing about uh, the Evil Dead. There's a bunch of other examples I could easily think of. But but like... Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it's like one of those things where it's like, this is so clearly like, I'm spitballing. I have no idea. Like, this is like, you know, it looks like today, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, well, it, I feel like somewhere in the range of a million, maybe. Yeah, which is low for it, but I don't think low. I think I read earlier that it was something like six or seven million. Mm-hmm. But it it looks great. It does look great. Yeah, but it has that charm of I know exactly what you're talking about. Where it looks like, uh, well, I mean, we say it often. Like it, it looks like some people made a movie. Yeah, exactly. Like it, like with Halloween, it feels like there's a low budget, so they're doing everything they can to make what they're doing as effective as possible. Yeah. With, like, you know, not showing you too much or things being in the shadows or shots being really yeah. long to maybe fill out time, but also it creates attention and stuff like that. With Terminator, it very much so feels like we don't have enough money to do this well or as good as we could. We're going to fucking do it anyway. <laughs> We're going to make a big rubber Arnold Schwarzenegger head. We're going to yeah. do a lot of stop motion. We're going to make this work. Mm-hmm. And it's got such a charm to it. Yeah. That exactly. It feels like a bunch of people trying their absolute hardest mm-hmm. to make the best with what they've got yeah and i love it it's great from the rip i love uh just so many like little things that are just like texture that don't matter love that sarah connor is fucking around in like a vespa the whole time yeah yeah, yeah. driving on the sidewalk a lot i don't know if you're yeah. allowed to do that a lot of people uh, driving vehicles on sidewalks in this movie also that thing does not haul ass at all it's mm-hmm. really putzing around yeah. glad she dishes that quick the terminator would get her quick 
Uh, love that she has a pet iguana. I totally forgot about that. When I watched it. Fair. When, when I saw it. it. No, when we watched it yesterday, I was like, oh, no, I did not remember this. And when yeah. you said it right now, I was like, oh, right, yeah, she had a pet iguana. No, as soon as I watched it, I was like, it was like almost like you with the scene from The Silence of the Lambs where the sexual assault happens or whatever. Yeah, you just couldn't get over it. Yeah, so I was like, like where's this iguana <sighs> coming back? But more so, it reminded me of in that Silence of the Lambs episode, like when we were talking about like uh, how it seems like something almost like bookish, like the detail about like uh, Buffalo Bill like uh, having an affection for like these rare Eastern moths that yeah. he has to have imported and stuff like that. It's just like a weird character detail that wouldn't usually be included. It's just nice to see that like we just could have had a cat. But for some reason, they were like. I, I, I just did the script script call for that, or did like was there an iguana laying around? I, I'm gonna say it was probably a cat in the script or something like that, and then they were like, "Yeah, but then we'd have to buy a cat, uh-huh. and we'd have to have someone on set to make sure we're not harming this cat." And yeah, like, iguana is much more stationary. Bill's got an iguana. Yeah. He'll just bring it in for half a day because <laughs> it does not matter after that. Um, yeah. And there's just so many neat things that are so simple that work great. Like, I just love, like, right off the bat, the idea that the Terminator, uh, Kyle Reese explains that uh, Cyberdyne Systems or whatever doesn't have, um, like, records, really, after the nuclear war that's all been destroyed. So they just know that John Connor's mother's name is Sarah Connor, so he's just going through the phone book and killing every Sarah Connor. And... Uh, the police obviously, you know, pick up on that, and you know, I mean, they're going with like, oh yeah, look, this is what this serial killer must be doing, kind of a thing. Um, that's the only like, you know, link that we kind of have, or whatever. And I love her catching it like on the news, and initially people being like, ah, fuck that, put something better on, and her being like, no, 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 I have to hear this. You yeah, know? Uh, that's all just uh, so neat. There's such a nice little like ping pong of tension is that just keeps like progressing like you know you see kyle reese grab the page i mean that's one thing that i'm curious about like i i I didn't even think about it when i was watching it but like i wonder what it would be like watching this the first time to see i guess immediately you'd probably assume kyle reese was i don't know like just not having that context i mean you've seen arnold come obviously arnold's the bad guy then you see kyle reese i guess you would have put it together that he's trying to stop the terminator i guess i don't know yeah i'm just kind of rambling no, no, I know exactly what you're getting at. I do love that. I don't I don't think it's like a three planes of action type of thing cuz I know I don't know enough about that to say if this is that or not. I've never heard that phrase, but it's like it usually happens in like a climax of a movie, I think, where you have three sets of people doing three different things. Oh, like the Star Wars thing where yes, like, there's a battle it, it, on ground, there's a battle, exactly. on the, and then there's a lightsaber battle. That's the first yeah. time I hear That's usually the only time I hear anyone talk about it is yeah. in Star Wars. But I feel like that a little bit in this movie where it's the Terminator mm. slowly getting to the right Sarah Connor. It kind it's, of gave me It Follows vibes. Yeah. It's Kyle Reese basically running from the cops and making no progress. Yeah, very funny. It looks like a crackhead. And Sarah Connor just oblivious to all of it, just going about her day. Yeah. Um... And, yeah, that keeps it interesting. Um, that's just a dumb thing to say. Cut that. Um, <laughs> I also love that whenever you see um, any of the side characters in this movie, f- 
feel like SNL characters. Like you'd see them yeah. in an SNL skit. Like they have one thing that they just keep doing over and over again. Like her roommate that's always listening to her music. Yeah, even when she has sex. So even when she brushes her teeth. The boyfriend who just wants to fuck. That's all he does all day yeah. long. Um, even the police. You just got the tough, grizzled police captain uh, who I love. He yeah, he's like smoking favorite. a cigarette and then goes to light another cigarette. And, yeah. Yeah. And his, uh, his no-nonsense kind of like loose-lipped second in command whatever you call that mm-hmm. lieutenant, lieutenant. Oh. i don't know but like maybe my f- favorite part, part of this movie is when the the captain goes all right i'm gonna go make a press uh, gonna make a statement to the press if we can't get in touch with her she might be watching the news mm-hmm. so she'll hear what we're doing and he like straightens his tie and goes how do i look and this lieutenant goes I like shit captain and he goes puts his coffee down and goes your mother and then leaves <laughs> so yeah. fucking good it also feels a bit like uh, the ending of uh, No Country for Old Men, for some reason. Like, when he pulls up to, like, the wife's house, Shigar does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just something about the Terminator driving around that's very spooky. Yeah. You know, it, it also reminds me of Halloween. I forgot that Michael Myers does so much driving. Oh, <laughs> he does so a much. lot of driving. Uh, but, yeah, there's something about the Terminator driving around that's scarier than, like, if they just had him legging it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. But, anyways... um. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I mentioned it when we were watching it too. It almost seems like it's 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 uh, it, it reminds me a lot of like uh, the Friday the Thirteenth game that they put out, where like you can be the camp counselors and then someone gets to be Jason yeah. and you gotta try to like get out or whatever. Um, I feel like I was watching. I was like, hey, this could you could probably like mold that idea to the game to like to, to a Terminator game. Like this is a fun concept. I, like this is tense and thrilling. I love the idea of like It's a great concept. It's a great concept. Is what I have to say. You know what I mean? You're dropped. You're 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 shat out forty years ago, and you you know two things. You know there's a Terminator out there trying to murder somebody, and you have the name of the person, and you got to go stop that fucking thing. Yeah, that's crazy. But you used to have an old Polaroid of her that you used to, I guess, beat off to. It seems like he beat yeah. off to it, yeah. So yeah. he knows what she looks like very well. Yeah. But I just love it. Such a simple concept. Like it almost feels like you and your friends as kids could play terminator yeah all right you're kyle reese mm-hmm. you have to go find you who is sarah connor and then also terminator you have to find both of them yeah and you two you have to run away from the terminator mm-hmm. just and you go and y'all you go your separate ways and then you all just try to find each other you know yeah like it's so it just it, it's it feels so simple and it works so well and there's so much that you can do with that yeah um and it's not like they do a lot. It's not like they're reinventing the wheel in this no. movie. It all just works. Yeah. I mean, there's even that point where the psychologist is like, listen to his delusions. I mean, usually when people are delusional, they go to great lengths to try to explain their delusions. But this guy, I mean, he doesn't even try to do that. He just dismisses it as if, you know, this is just a statement of fact or whatever. When he's yeah. talking about like the, like how could he come back, but the, the Terminator, like he couldn't bring anything with him that wasn't organic, but the Terminator could come back, you know, that kind of a thing. This Terminator's organic on the outside and that's gross that's really gross it's honestly like i i know i use this term so lightly but that's kind of body horror isn't it? oh it is there's a lot in this movie like Like, when he's cutting out his eye or he's cutting through his arm and stuff like that it's gross i know he's a robo when they're there but yeah but it's just disgusting to think of the idea of like human flesh that is grown from i i assume that's how it works because it is it that they're covered do they like get does it get put on like the way that a doll gets yeah i think that's how it works and i'm also a little confused i'm sure they explain it but 
My understanding is always they do that so they can send them through time uh-huh. without all the electrical bits going haywire. But then he talks about how they made him so realistic that you can't tell. Like, they got bad breath and everything like that. Yeah. And they show that flashback where Terminator is hiding amongst them. Mm-hmm. So are there Terminators made to hide with people? And then it's like, oh, bonus. This means we can send them in time now, too. Yes, that's right. that's that's my yeah. understanding. Okay. I think that's my understanding for sure. Um, Looks like there's an imposter among us. We can go ahead and cut that. <laughs> um, I, I should, Chris, I just love this movie. I think it's yeah. so good. I love. I think maybe my favorite part of this movie mm-hmm. is uh, the scene at the police station where the Terminator shows up. Mm-hmm. You get the classic "I'll be back," and he comes back with the car. It's mm-hmm. very funny. This is very funny. It's a good bit. And then it is. It, he's very imposing. It's very scary to watch him walk through the police station with yeah. just those giant guns and just the 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 just most 80s music i've ever heard in the background it yeah. just it's just great it just all works and it doesn't look like i said it's it's very rough around the edges and there's not like any polish to it at all mm. and it's just good i just yeah. really like it there are interesting um like time travel implications and i don't mean that in the usual nerdy sense where i'm like well actually how would this work uh but i just love thinking about it like that whole thing where like he uh, philip j fries himself because he ends up being, yeah, the one who impregnates Sarah Connor. So That's now my John least Connor. favorite part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's also like, uh, like he talks about how like she says like, oh my god, that's what the future is like. She's like, well, that, he's like, he says like, well, that's one possibility, kind of a thing. Meaning that there's the idea that there are multiple timelines, kind of a thing, right? So like him coming back to do this doesn't necessarily imply that like this is gonna be the John Connor necessarily like this could be a, a future where cyberdyne systems doesn't even become like the argument uh, uh, if i mean him talking off the cuff is even applicable to like the actual physics of the world or whatever yeah but i do like that uh that idea that, that that that's at least lightly introduced the whole thing where it's you know such a like i don't know hail mary on their part where they're like uh-huh. we're doing the best that we can kind of like you know it even implies that uh yeah, I mean, there are some realities where, you know, I, I don't know. It's just interesting that, like, I guess they're being sent back on such a, like, suicide mission in a sense. But then I guess it also, I don't know. Perhaps we'll cut this, but, yeah, and then it also reminds me of, like, the idea that, like, there are some theories about time travel that there are, like, like uh, I can't remember what they call it, but, like, pinned moments in a sense that are, like, supposed to kind of happen in a sense. I guess yeah. it's, it's really only a storytelling, you know, convention because in the real world i mean how would you prove that kind of a thing mm-hmm. it's a fun theory to like you know be a kind of a thought experiment but it, it's it, the point of like 19 doctor who episodes yeah, yeah. but yeah it, it does kind of imply that uh you know at the end of the day kyle reese is always supposed to go back john connor is always to be born the terminator is always to lose you know it almost becomes biblical anyways yeah i think it's just it's an old sci-fi movie where I think you're thinking about it way too much. Like yeah. I, I, I like it. I like that you're doing it, but I think it's just you know, he lives in the future. If he goes and changes the past, this future won't happen anymore. Yeah. So that's what he means by this is just one possible timeline. Like mm-hmm. I can make a different one right now. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it too hard, well, if he does this and then the future happens differently, then he's not there to go back in time, mm-hmm. which means it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Which means he is there. Which means he goes back in time. 
so it doesn't work at all i think that doesn't matter yeah it's cool it's fun yeah like i said it's i mean I, the whole point of me doing that was not to like undermine it or anything like that. i'm not doing my usual thing where i'm like well how did they have enough time to string that guy up just saying it's interesting yeah no yeah. i know what you mean yeah um i do just i absolutely hate it all the stuff about him being like, I've been in love with you for forever because of that Polaroid I saw. And mm-hmm. then banging immediately after knowing each other for nine hours, maybe. Yeah. Um, and him being like... Yeah, maybe. that's one of those things where like, let's cut this real quick. But my God. I don't know. I just feel like... Like with the partners that I've had, at least. If... My girlfriend has to get an oil change tomorrow. We're not having sex that night. She's like, no, I'm really, I got stuff to do tomorrow. Like, <laughs> like I just don't envision a scenario where like, we've got like nine hours or whatever. And they're like, let's get a quick nut in. You know what I mean? Like, I wish my life was like that, but that's fantasy. That's movie. Do you think if instead of an oil change, she was going on a suicide mission, she'd be like, let's get a nut off. No, I don't think so. No. I think it'd be so far from her mind. She'd be so stressed about it. Okay. Okay. I buy that. But anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely concede to that unless, again, I mean, it just depends on what version of, like, you know, time travel we're talking. Uh, I'm putting my foot in my mouth, I guess. But I, at least in my, in my, my suspension of disbelief is not broken because there's also, like, theories about, like, time travel where it's, like, in a sense, it becomes, like, uh, destiny in a sense. So, like, I can understand him being like that only in the sense that forever he was destined to do that. So, like, that's just kind of, like... But it is also very odd and, like... I, I mean, I guess there are some people, like that guy who tried to kill Ronald Reagan because he saw a taxi driver or whatever, that, like, really just become obsessed about weird shit or whatever. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I just... Like, even in that dystopian setting, if I knew somebody who, like, had never been with a woman and, like, it was because they had this crazy crush on, like, this, like, historical figure, and then one day they were like, someone's going back, and he was like, yep, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, this guy is a weird, weird fella. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Jeff Mangum or whatever wrote that Nitro Milk Hotel album, and <laughs> a whole thing is about how much he's in love with uh, Anne Frank, and I'm like, hey, bud. She died when she was like 13. <laughs> you can't be in love That's, with her. I didn't know that. That's horrible. Um, yeah, no, they're all like, okay, listen, we can send them back. And he might not do it. He probably won't do it. <laughs> but he won't be here anymore. And that's that's good enough for yes. us. Yeah, Little do they know that's how it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just all so weird. Like when she's talking to him and she's like, what are women like in your time? No, yeah. no, nobody would ask that. And yeah. he's sitting there with a butthole on his back and he's like, I've never been with no woman because they're all too buff and fighting all the time. Yeah. And she's like, well, we're going to smash yeah. to the theme, to the Skugga Gunka Gunk theme song <laughs> of this movie, but sexy. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely one of those things like uh, that just, I feel like sci-fi in general felt like they had this shoehorn in uh, at that time because even Halloween 3 does it. Yeah. They just make two characters who have no chemistry and uh, have known each other for like less than 13 hours uh, smash it out in a hotel room. Yeah. All right, we just made all these bombs. Let's bone. Yeah. But yeah, they make a bunch of bombs, and then the Terminator shows up. I love the part where she calls her mom. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And the camera slowly pans through her cabin, and you see it all. It's all in disarray and stuff like that, and it follows up the phone, and it's the Terminator speaking in her voice. It's good. Yeah, that's Jeff's guess. And you see a little bit earlier where he's like on the, the cop's radio speaking in his voice and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Great. I love it. No, that's definitely a great uh, little tool to put in his tool belt. Yeah, I love uh, that he's like slowly like acclimating in a sense to like what human communication is like. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, they're like, hey, fuckwad. And he's like, hello, fuckwad. Yeah. You know, laundry and then, day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very neat. Very neat. Very much so ties into Terminator 2. Interesting. I've not seen it since I was a little baby boy. So I am. I am most excited about watching this movie because it means we get to watch Terminator 2 soon. <laughs> and in my opinion, it's been a few years since I've seen it. Yeah. I'd go as far to say that Terminator 2 is as good as Back to the Future. Okay. I think it is a perfect movie. I yeah. think there's no fat on that movie. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason well. And it's yeah. just, it's just, it's a treat and a half. And I love mm. it. Oh, one last thing I want to mention. Uh, is yeah i definitely love sarah connor the whole time being like do i look like i'm like the fucking savior yeah not only that but like she's like do i look like i could even drive a car because i can't i should have a moped yeah exactly terminator 2 i'm thinking about it probably the reason i love it so much is it's about a a young boy befriending a a robot making him human um classic tale as old as time and you know i'm a sucker for that which means chris i think what means what that means is when we watch Terminator 2, we're also watching The Iron Giant. There's no two ways about it. Okay. That's what we're going to do. I said it here on the podcast, which means it's locked. Yeah, which means it'll also come out six episodes after we watch yes, those absolutely, two movies. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is an A for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is an A. Yeah. It's a B plus A. Yeah. B plus A minus. Skagunk, gunk, gunk. Skagunk, gunk, gunk. There's also a, when they're doing the fuck. It's like a shot where like they're just drenched in sweat and they're holding hands like this. Uh huh. And then like it cuts to like slow motion, so it's like every like three frames as mm-hmm. they like come and they like slowly like without like letting go of each other's hands though. I hate it. Yeah. Also, when they're ki- they kiss so hard. That's the hardest kissing I've they're ever like, seen. They're like like he's kissing her nose and she's kissing his chin and they're like we don't even. Care. We'll I know they look like they're laying each other's tongues flat, yeah, on each other, but also somehow keeping it within their lips. Like it's, ugh. yeah. Woo. Skugga gunk gunk indeed. Skugga gunk gunk. I got another letter earlier. This one says taxi driver. Taxi Driver. Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver is Joker, but with, like, no Batman stuff in there. It's about a racist guy who drives a taxi and does not dress up like a clown. Like, not even one time in the whole thing. Over the course of two hours, he gets crazier and crazier, uh, buys a lot of guns, and then kills, like, five or six guys, and it's never funny. Uh, It's dark and gross and long, and the ending is confusing, and I can't emphasize this enough. You never see a Batman. Two out of ten. Don't check it out. That letter brings up a good point. I'd like to make make a roll right now. Right now, hard and fast, as little time as possible. We're going to talk about the Joker right now, and we yeah. won't talk about it for the rest of this. Okay, but uh, also understand, a lot of it exists, for me at least, I feel like that was a movie that happened like a month or two before Pandemic hit. Yeah. And so that really, like, is that my, am I wrong? I think like maybe a year, maybe less than a year. Really? Yeah, okay. probably. For some reason, my head it exists like just before the Pandemic hit. 
I probably did. I feel like it was like one of the last movies I saw in theater before the pandemic hit, but that could also be off. The last movie I saw was Silent the Hedgehog. Okay. Anyway, I saw the Joker first and then I watched this yeah. about a year ago, I think. And I was like, what the fuck? Sorry, let me do that again. Do another take. I don't like say I, 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 I swear too much. Yeah. What the frick? And I saw this and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> no, and I was like, this is the same movie. Yeah. Like, especially the beginning. Mm. And I've also heard and read about it also being Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy. So Joker is just a remake of two Scorsese movies. Yeah. How are you allowed to do that? <laughs> like, that's such a... It, it, I like the Joker well... I like a Joker well enough. Yeah. But after seeing this and knowing what I know about King of Comedy, mm-hmm. it just takes it down a hundred pegs for me. Yeah. And I think that's the general consensus of people who were more cultured than me when they saw Joker. Yeah. Uh, I just... how Chris, how are you allowed to do that? Yeah. Um... My experience with it was primarily that all of that aside, uh, I thought it was a neat way to depict the Joker. Um, but it also didn't necessarily even have to be the Joker. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. It's a very confusing piece of media, in my opinion, because yeah. it's those things. But then, like, I've also heard stories of, like, them writing that script and then slapping the Joker thing on top of it at the last minute kind of a thing. Yeah, like, I, I get that. Like, I think that is in a way a very smart move because that movie probably wouldn't have gotten made or been seen by that many people we probably wouldn't have got made because I, I would i can only assume i'm not even trying to be dick because it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you but i would assume that like if you were a producer in hollywood you would look at that and be like not even like a cigar type producer but if you were just like a guy who runs on the treadmill and has a wife and a nice car and you work in hollywood you would look at that and be like okay so martin scorsese's uh, taxi driver in 2022 i don't know if this tracks next I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't know. And, like, what I've heard, like, I think, like, with interviews from the director of that, I think it's Todd Phillips, um, like, it seems like a smart move, like, and I think it's a, I, it's a cool idea, I think, to be like, hey, I'm going to make this movie about mental illness. Yeah. But nobody will go see this. But if I slap a Batman on top of it, mm-hmm. this will reach a lot more people. Yeah. And that message will get across to more people. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. And it's going to be kind of like Taxi Driver-ish, you know? Yeah. But then it's just Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you can call it like an homage and it's tongue-in-cheek and like, not tongue-in-cheek, but like it knows it's doing that and it tells you it's doing that because Robert De Niro is in it. Mm-hmm. But I just, that's not good. I don't, mm-hmm. I, like I, that just feels... It is so one-to-one with those two movies that it feels not even like an homage, and it just feels like copying. Yeah. Yeah, I guess primarily I really liked uh, Joaquin Phoenix's commitment to the bit. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, yeah, I thought it was a a neat Joker. Um, I don't think it would work in a universe where there is a Batman, though, so I'm glad they didn't with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was my biggest problem the first time I saw it. I was like, I don't need to see Bruce Wayne or Arkham Asylum or anything like that. Or his parents getting killed at the end. But, and I thought it was good when I saw it. I was like, yeah, that's great. I enjoyed it. But yeah, now thinking about it, thinking back on it, recontextualizing it after seeing the Scorsese films. Mm -hmm. uh, No, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to see that movie ever again. I I, I don't, if I want to get what I got out of that movie. Mm -hmm. 
there are two other better movies you can watch. Yeah. Uh, and I will say I'm also a fan of the ending. Um, I just, I like, um, like him basically putting on trial, uh, humor where somebody is the butt of the joke and then killing the mean guy. (laughs) It's awful. I mean, you obviously should not kill people. Um, but that part aside, the part that's morally reprehensible, I do like him taking him to task for being like, oh yeah, you think it's really funny to make fun of people with mental illness, don't you? And I get that that's a little like on the nose and stuff, but I still think it's a striking visual. I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I guess that's like that's why I consider it a, a confusing piece of media for me because I feel like there are strengths, but then it's mired in like being two parts Scorsese and then one part Batman and then one part like some actual like moving and interesting stuff. You know what I mean? You know, and I feel the same way, and I like that moving and interesting stuff. Yeah. But that's just... one-fourth of the movie. Yeah. And so when I take the rest of it into consideration, I like it so much less. And yeah. I would probably go as far as to say as I don't like that movie now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I don't know if I'll... I probably... I might see it uh, before I die again. I, I'd like to Joaquin Phoenix. I don't even know what I'd necessarily rate it, like... So I don't want to be terribly harsh on it. I mean, CC minus range or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I have hugely, hugely mixed feelings on that, that yeah. movie for sure. Yeah. Hugely mixed feelings. And it also seems like almost like I know it's not. This is a ridiculous thing to say. Um, But it already feels pretty forgotten, which is crazy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because hey. at the time it was... The response was pretty mixed. I mean, there are people that were like, hey, this is just Taxi Driver, but it seemed like a lot of critics were kind of like, wow, look at this, a DC movie that doesn't suck. Um, and so it was kind of supposed to be almost like this Beacon-esque thing where it was like, maybe DC can make a movie that's not a turd, you know? Yeah. Um, but I guess now the Suicide Squad has happened and the Batman and... Yeah, I don't know, I guess. I don't know. Weird. It's a, such a weird one. It's an oddity. That's what I'm going to call that. It's yeah. a, definitely an oddity. It's a very odd film. It really film. is, yeah. It's a really odd film. I like it just... Thinking about it, like, if... I remember seeing it at the time and being like, if this was just a dude who was a clown, who didn't call himself Jerk or anything like that, and you never saw any other Batman stuff in it, I'd probably really like it. Yeah. Um, but that did, I guess, just deter it from me yeah. a, a bit. Like, I, I was like, that's cool, and that's neat. And there's a lot of this movie that I really like. And I think overall, when I saw it, I was like, I liked that movie. Um, yeah. It gave me exactly the same vibes I got from Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, probably if they had done that and then I saw Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, I would have been like, yeah, I like that movie less. Yeah. Um, and so now, yeah, now that I have that and there's the Batman stuff stapled on top of it, I like that movie a lot less. But like, <laughs> I, like we keep saying, there's a lot of stuff in that movie I really like. Yeah. But I can't, I, I can no longer stand by it. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that I like is the scene where he can't stop laughing on stage because of nervous. I, it, oh, I forgot throughout the whole movie he's got the, the, the yeah. nervous laughter problem. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. There's the scene where Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. is very stressed out and he can't help but laugh when he's asking Clarice. He's like, do you guys have like, do you guys have like, any suspects? And then she reaches for a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Joker talk over. Chris, okay. you saw Taxi Driver yesterday for the first time? Yeah. What'd you think? 
Uh, from the rift, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's uh, not nearly as like red flaggy as I thought it would be. But a lot of the times, a lot of that shit ends up not being like that. I mean, granted, I'm a straight white guy, but like people always say, like, Mm-mm, if he says his favorite movie is Drive, and like I'm, I get it, it's like considered culturally cringy, but like I don't know. Same thing with like Catcher in the Rye. It's just another example. Like I know plenty of very progressive, like forward thinking and liberal, you know, um, even female people, women who like the Catcher in the Rye. It's what like, are their names? Prove to me they exist. I don't want to put anyone on blast like that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Very convenient. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, but I also have another friend. Uh, I won't say her name or whatever, but, you know, she's also because of the Margaret. cultural stigma. Yeah, Margaret. Uh, because of the cultural stigma, uh, very in hushed tones, I was like, I think Taxi Driver might be my favorite movie. Yeah. You know? Uh, but anyways. Yeah, uh, I know a very liberal, progressive, very smart guy who would never sell anybody, but in confidence told me that Drive is his favorite movie. Or it might be his favorite movie. Interesting. I've... It's me. That's the joke. I think, <laughs> I think Drive might be my favorite movie, but I'd never say it out loud. Um, I'd say it in hushed tones into this microphone. But yeah, so anyways, ultimately, well, well yeah, so I had a lot of preconceived notions in that sense going into it. Um, just kind of like, kind of had like my hazard lights up like okay okay this is gonna be super problematic and i mean it is but it's like not any more problematic than like you know like a uh hannibal lecter character or something like that like uh yeah he's a bad guy with bad thoughts and does bad things that's pretty par for the course and like a lot of media you know i think it's more so like it's probably like he's problematic the the parts of it that are problematic are the point Mm -hmm. yeah like it's it's not edge lordy at all, you know. Yeah. It's you don't you're not supposed you're not supposed to like him at all, yeah. like front to back. Yeah. But the movie ended up. Uh, I didn't have any expectations or like uh, of like where the plot was gonna go or anything like that. Other than like I knew that this was a guy who was basically Rorschach before Rorschach was Rorschach. And at a certain point, instead of putting on a magic mask, he was going to shave his head into a mohawk and then go kill people? I didn't really know who or where or when, but I knew he was going to eventually shoot. That's all I knew. So anyways, uh, yeah, you get all these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shots of just lights in the city at night. Martin Scorsese, you stole my heart. Uh, yeah, I'm going to sound like a big cornball, but uh, yeah, there's something just magic about uh, human beings recreating stars. Yeah. That's what it feels like when you're walking around. You're like, look at me walking through a man-made constellation. This city's beautiful, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. alive. Yeah, I think this movie's gorgeous. Um, yeah. A very liberal and progressive and forward-thinking guy once confided to me that it might be the most beautiful movie he's ever looked at. Yeah, it's strange. Um, it's just... it. I, I love saying this about movies. This movie stinks. <laughs> like, this movie has such a specific look throughout yeah. the whole thing that you can smell it. Like, yeah. it's insane. Also, Robert De Niro... Uh, just acts... Acts Ax the last off. Yeah, his little ass off. Um, I had mentioned to you that there are a couple of scenes where, like, specifically when I'm watching him, the movie as a whole, not so much. But, like, anytime he's on camera, like, it it doesn't even look like there's a group of people behind the camera making all of this shit happen. 
like there's something he's so believable as just like yeah. I'm watching a guy do something. He's doing his job. Yeah. He does his little job with his little ass. Yeah, I um look like yeah, I saw this movie like a year ago. I was like, that was good. And that was that was it. I was like, I, I, that was good. I like the Joker less now. And that was good. <laughs> um, and like I had some a little a few complaints here and there, but watching it again last night. Yeah, like you're saying, there's such a such a know, like a je ne sais quoi to yeah. him. Robert De Niro, he's got it. That there are those scenes that I remember watching the first time and being like, this is good, but also I feel like this doesn't need to be in the movie. Mm. This movie doesn't need to be two hours and we don't need these scenes, but like him watching TV or just him sitting in his apartment and he's not yeah. saying anything mm. or he accidentally knocks over the TV. I remember thinking like, this is a bit too much. Mm. There's a bit too many of these. But on a closer watch um i love those scenes a lot yeah because like you said it doesn't feel like there's a crew of people there in that room with him it just feels like i'm watching this guy just exist yeah and that's some of the really neat things i mean you know this is a classic i'm not going to say anything that you know everybody hasn't heard a million times but yeah it's just a straight up uh i mean character study you just spend time Mm -hmm. with this guy um and yeah you just watch him like slowly the become even more and more detached and delusional than he was. I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to hazard a guess as to what's wrong with this individual, but I mean, you know, from the rep, he says that he's a, a veteran, but is that true? Because he's a little liar. It's a good question, yeah. I don't even know. But uh, he can't sleep at night, so he's trying to get a job. Yeah, I'll keep him busy because he feels like he needs some purpose. Yeah, and he's just got this awful diet of just sugar and caffeine. He just drinks a bunch of Coke and puts sugar on everything that he drinks or eats. And, uh, yeah, when he's not at work being a taxi driver, he's just at the crib eating sugar and drinking Coke in bed trying to go to bed. And uh, it's not working. And he's popping nondescript pills every now and again. You just slowly watch things kind of become more and more odd for Mm -hmm. him. Like he he takes a girl on a date to a porn theater. Like that's my thing. My thing about this movie that it's something about this movie that doesn't 100% work for me. And I think mm. it's because I'm a little, not a little, I'm a lot detached from, I think very specifically the time period. Yeah. Is that, yeah, the point of this movie is he starts and he's, you can tell off from, from, from go that he's not well. And yeah. He's not all there, but it just gets worse. Yeah. And it just yeah, gets yeah. worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But you know, at the beginning when you see him going to the porn theaters alone, just the concept of that to me mm. is insane. Yeah. Going to a porn theater at all. Yeah. But I guess, you know, that's how you watch porn back in the day. Yeah. And then when he goes to Betsy's place of business mm-hmm. and is basically just goes there and goes, I don't know you. You don't know me. I think we got something here. I see you all the time when I drive by. I want to take you on a date. Mm-hmm. That I guess realistically feels like a very 70s man thing to do. Yeah. But when I watch it, I'm like, oh, this man's the most insane person I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. So it almost doesn't feel like he gets crazier. It just, but in retrospect, when I think about it, yes, if I, if I get that out of my mind, yes, very much so. If I, if I just start thinking about it when their date starts, Mm -hmm. very much so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because like, I'm sure stuff like this still happens today, but yeah, I can definitely confirm that. I mean, that's just kind of how things used to go. I mean, like uh, my partner's 
grandma recently, a couple years ago, told the story of, uh, of like, uh, it was either the grandma or the grandpa, I think both on separate occasions, but at least the first time that it was revealed, she was like, oh my God, that's how it happened? Like, you guys lied to me this whole time? Because basically the story actually goes that grandma and grandpa were out that night on a double date not with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Making out in the car, front seat, back seat kind of a thing. But they were getting on so well that at a certain point, uh, like her respective date was like, well, why don't you go the fuck back there with him kind of a thing? And she was like, okay. <laughs> and so they did. And at the start of that date, she was engaged to one man. And by the end of that night, she was engaged to another. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like everybody's grandparents' stories are along the lines of that. Or like, grandma's like, I was walking home from school and this man just walked up to me and yeah. said, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so odd. And I kept telling him to go away and he followed me all the way home. <laughs> and he did that for a week and we were married by the end of that week. It's like, yeah. that's awful. Like, yeah. I hate listening to that. Yeah. And they talk about it with like a twinkle in their eye. Like, it's the most romantic thing. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, everyone, every, every, everyone's grandparents has a story about uh, sexual harassment that leads to yeah. a marriage. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the script or not, or if it's just Robert De Niro doing his little thing with his little thing. But, uh, right. yeah, like when he's uh, asking her out and stuff like that. And she's just like, all right, I have a break at 4 p.m. And he's like, 4, 4 o'clock? P.m.? Here? You know, just that kind of thing where, like, yeah. just for, like, 30 seconds, you just keep saying, like, okay, you'll be here. I come back. Like, and I'm not just, like, the whole time I just buy it. I'm hook, line, and sinker. But anyways. Um... And he takes her to a porn theater, and she's like, this is gross. Yeah. I'm going home. Don't it's talk to me. very offended. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's even little hints in that, like, when she's like, oh, it's a good record. You heard it? And he's like, no, nah, I don't really keep up with music. Like, again, just, like, establishing, like, detached from, you know, culture, modern yeah. trends, people, no friends, works at night, taxi driver. Um, and, yeah, he's got a lot of bad ideas. And there's even a point where he says to another, yeah, this is a famous line where he says, I got a lot of bad ideas in my head. Um, but just inherently, like, uh, to be so obsessed with, like, the scum and, like, all this and yada, 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 like, it's just not a healthy way to be going through your day. No, it's you, not. When you start, Yeah, when you start getting all hyper fixated on that kind of stuff, like, uh, you know, the black and white and the good and the evil and that the evil's outweighing the good and, like, all that kind of stuff, like, you know. Yeah. Bad stuff's happening, yeah, but, you know, less and less as history goes on because, you uh. know. Yeah. As a whole, things get less and less desperate and stuff like that. But anyways, um, yeah, so he's got this whole idea of, like, the pimps and the whatever and the yada, 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 which is also interesting because it's not that much different than of, like, the idea that, like, you know, conservatives like to push a lot about, like, like liberalism in a sense because he also, like you said, is sometimes, like, racist and, like, homophobic. Like, he'll lump just, like... Mm-hmm gays and, and and stuff like that in with it because that's seen as like sexual deviancy and indulgence and stuff like that and um yeah he also just every time there's a black person in this movie he just stares them down there just is the entire time and also there's like once where the uh someone robs a bank and once we're like not a bank a little store or whatever i was gonna and, say he either glares at black people or shoots them that's all he does but then there's also the one where like the kids throw like glass at his taxi driver and it's just interesting in my opinion that like even Harvey Keitel, I don't know his ethnicity, but he's doing like a little bit of a Chicano kind of like a little like a Chica kind of like thing about it. And it just seems like there's a bad ethnic picture here. Yeah. For crime being associated with ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, 
same thing with Martin Scorsese's little cameo. Yeah, very Tarantino. Yeah, the lady that uh, his his wife is cheating and is cheating specifically with uh, a man who he calls by Tarantino's favorite word. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Oh, just why do you directors love doing that? Do you think do you think Martin Scorsese was like I got to get in there, I want to say it, or was it like? A bunch of people are like, I'm not gonna do this. He's yeah. like, fuck it, I'll do it. I wonder because I I would reckon I would reckon it seems a bit like uh, he didn't on the onset want to do that one because I noticed very early in one of the earliest shots he's just sitting on a whatever in the background. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, I would assume that that was gonna be his little cameo, and then something happened where like they just had to shoot that scene or something like that. And he was like, fuck it, I'll get in the back seat and I'll say the n word. I think he's great in it though. Yeah, he does a good job. He, he does a really like good a job. Very, very yeah. specific kind of guy. I'm like, oh, I know, I know this guy. It doesn't, I know this guy. It's yeah. not a guy that Scorsese himself has ever struck me as, in like any yeah. of his interviews and stuff like that. Um, I have to go back just a little bit. Sure. Um, to when she dumps him, and he keeps calling her and calling her and calling her. And it's one of those shots that just get talked about all the time. You get talked to death, but I still just very much so love it when he's on the phone with her, and it's not going well, and the camera just moves on without him down the hallway like i think scorsese himself has said says something along the lines about it like just that conversation is so painful that we don't even want to be looking at it anymore yeah um and then uh yeah he goes into his into her work and they do a, a good job of making his eyes very dark mm-hmm. he goes things like why don't you just call i know you're here i just want you to know that i know that you're here yeah Awful. He also looks like the most tired man I've ever seen him with yes. my own eyeballs. Yes. And also, uh, Robert De Niro is just so, so th- rail thin. Just so rail thin. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looks very unhealthy in this film. There's a point where he, be, he kind of wants to become like the perfect human being in a sense. He wants to conquer his pain and like work out and all that kind of stuff. But then for the rest of the movie, he continues to eat just junk food the whole time. Because he says, I'm no longer going to put poison in. But mm-hmm. then you can see him later when he stops the robbery. He grabs like an orange juice and like a tasty cake. He's got a different haircut though, so maybe it's a different yeah. way in time. We also get the scene where he buys a bunch of guns. Um, and we also get the scene where he meets his love interests, like presidential candidate that she's been like campaigning for. Um, Actually like holding a rally or whatever. I meet him in the cab before that. He does. What does he say to him? You're my favorite candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does the the politician say to him in response to all that? I think he's just like, okay, cool, thanks. Okay. I was just curious because I missed that a little bit. But yeah, he does go on that long thing where he's like, oh, man, I even want to put one of my stickers in the cab. But yeah, the cab, you know, Robert De Niro does a great job. It's very believable. Yeah, and I do do like when he's seeing her and uh, seeing Betsy. Mm -hmm. He's going on dates with her and stuff like that. He goes on the two. But it does seem like, like, yeah, you can tell, like, yeah, with the music and everything like that, like, yeah, he's detached, he's not very well, and even when he's talking to the politician, he seems off. Mm. But it very much just seems like he's like, all right, cool, I know what I'm doing, and I'm making myself a man, and I'm making a life for myself, and I got Mm. this job, and I got it going, and then she dumps him. And he's like, ah, she's just like the rest of them, and this Mm. and that, and he's just... Incel. He's just all blues and no clues, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I also, I don't know if we've gotten to this point yet where he lies to his parents in that letter about how he's on a government assignment. Yeah, he also yeah. says it to people a couple of times. Yeah. Maybe my favorite, sorry, not to jump around, but that reminded me of it because I think it happens right after. My favorite scene of this movie is when he's talking to the Secret Service guy. 
He's like, yeah, what kind of guns do you guys use? Yeah, you're Secret mm-hmm. Service, right? Oh, uh, is that pit? Is that like a little signal? Yeah, he's talking to him, and he's like, hey, he's like, how would I? I'd like to be Secret Service guy. He's like, well, yeah, give me your uh, your information, I can send it all to you. And he's like, yeah, my name is Henry Crinkle. Crinkle. <laughs> yeah. Which is just his name is Travis Bickle, which yeah. is very funny. Yeah. He's like, I live on this address on this street. Yeah. In New Jersey. And this is my zip code. And the guy's like, I just want too many numbers. And he's like, then he says, I was, oh, sorry, I was thinking of my phone number, which is like red flag. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. And he's like, all right, have a nice day, sir. And he's like, yeah, you have a nice day too. And as soon as he turns around, I love the Secret Service guy going, get him, get yeah. him. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny. It's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but it's timed very funny to me. Oh, yeah. It is very funny. Um, yeah. And so he does that initially. Um, and I love it. I love that when he's talking to the, Secret Service guy, uh, the Secret Service guy feels like, you know, I'm going to give him the bending of the D. Yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then immediately he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then the second time that we see uh, him, second time he goes and talks to the fucking, uh, or not got goes and talks, but he, 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 he sees, like, the actual, like, or is it the third time? Because I think there's a time where he, like, pulls up on, like, a, the candidate. That's the third time. Palantine. Yeah, he's watching I think him. it goes cab. Secret yeah. Service guy, yeah. looking at him through the window, mm-hmm. and then going to kill him. Yeah, so then he goes to kill him. Let's just go there real quick. I do love the scene when he's looking at him through the window, though. Yes. Through, like, two different windows in the cab. Yeah. And just, like, the way... I, 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 it's shot very frantically, but, like, it just very quickly gets across the information you need to know. Mm-hmm. Like, you just see his chest, and it's very much so, like, that's where you gotta shoot him. Yeah. And then just, like, a quick cut to, like, just the glasses of the Secret Service guy sitting next to him, and then just back to him in the car. It's mm-hmm. great. I like it a lot. I just want to quote real quick. We'll go back to this because this is a guy who touched on the uh, uh, the fantasy interpretation of like the end, ending or whatever. But James uh, Berardinelli, I don't know him, uh, but he talks a little bit about how uh, interesting it is that uh, I mean we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But uh, had he killed this presidential candidate, then he would have been an assassin. He would have been like scum of the earth. The media yeah. would have killed him. But because he killed a prostitute, or not a prostitute, a pimp, yeah. suddenly he's this hero, right? Yeah, yeah, so in yeah. a sense, uh, I don't know. I, I've not read the um, rest of the review. I told you, I'm a man of culture, baby. I'm just looking at Wikipedia. I'm reading snippets. I'm reading I'm headlines. reading snippets. Yeah, headlines. Uh, but it is interesting because then in a sense, it paints this picture that uh, the media, if not all of like the American population, is, you know basically not one to see a travis as a bad guy necessarily mm-hmm. you know what i mean um because he's cleaning up the scum you know what i mean yeah but also i we're just gonna talk about the ending right now i guess sure i specifically also james does not believe it's a fantasy ending he thinks it's 100 percent real that's what i was gonna say I, yeah i don't know how you feel but at both times I've seen it. Whereas like, I think Roger Ebert was the one who prime was at least one who definitely was like, this is the delusions perhaps of his mind. Yeah, and that, that's what I get when I see it because yeah. it's just too perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, head. I know it doesn't matter because the art exists aside from whatever the fuck the artist yes, says, exactly. in my opinion. But uh, both the writer and Robert De Niro, not Robert De Niro, uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese have so both have up. said that yeah, they they don't. It's not was not intended to be. A dream sequence at all. The yeah. writer actually wrote three other movies that are intended to apparently be a part of this guy's life. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. But that ruins the movie a little bit for me. Yeah, it definitely does. That's but, one of the things that James, I think, specifically brings up is his whole point with it is like fantasy or no, it 
kind of undermines uh, the perfect ending that they had built there with yeah. like just hard end with him sitting on that couch yeah i feel like i definitely think the movie should have ended there yeah but also at the same time like i like i like the idea of it be him he's dead and mm-hmm. this is him just as just his brain yeah his, his milk spilling out of the glass mm-hmm. um just thinking just of this fantasy like it's so strange that he picks betsy up that is very odd. It, it almost plays odd. like the way a, 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 a slasher movies end, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 or something, or like Friday the 13th. Or yeah. something. There was like this weird, like too perfect of an ending. Where yeah, like, or like the letter from um, Iris's parents. I did like that, though. I did, Isolated incident. Like it's so, like so perfectly written. It sounds like a Midwest dad. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's it's, so it good. sounds it sounds too perfectly written. Mm-hmm. It sounds too specifically praising him, and just even the like just the way it's read mm-hmm. sounds too like the idea I get from Iris's parents. There are people who, seemingly from her position in life, she's a twelve-year-old prostitute. Probably aren't these sweet Midwestern people who just kind of lost their daughter. Mm-hmm. They're probably not great people. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they're these sweet midwestern people feel like the idea that travis has in his head Mm -hmm. because it feels like to me travis wouldn't wouldn't even think that the situation that i would have a cause in a sense or like yeah the situation that iris is in would be her choice she's choosing like that's kind of travis's biggest problem is that he thinks that everything that people are doing is because of a choice you know they've chosen to be the scum of the earth or whatever in his mind yeah when it wouldn't even occur to him that the situation she's in might be just a bit worse than the one she just came from yeah and so that feels fake which 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 hearing that it's not and they just wrote it like that lessens it for me but again mm. it's art and i can take it in any way that i want oh, absolutely but i also really like what you were saying or what yes james i do was james Nelly. If, if it is real that since he didn't kill the politician he killed the scum mm-hmm. now he's a hero i, like I that love a that a lot yeah yeah that's the big reason why specifically I, I i'm gonna say not fantasy just because i like that bit but also I mean, it still totally plays into the fantasy either way. I like that it's ambiguous. It reminds me of what's another movie that we were... We've had a conversation about, like, how do you take the ending? Is it The Lighthouse? No. That's very ambiguous. Hang on, let me think for two seconds. I think it was Scanner Darkly. Was it? Maybe. That one doesn't feel too ambiguous to me. Well, it ends on, like... No, maybe not. American Psycho? I'm trying to think of... Oh, yeah, it was American Psycho. It was American Psycho. So, anyways. Uh, yeah, American Psycho, because it was, like, uh, we were just talking about, like, the idea of, like, oh, did he do it? Did he not do it? Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, I just... I Just, I just a touchstone kind of thing where I'm just saying, oh, it reminds me of us talking about that. Just another ambiguous ending. Roll credits. Did we talk about the ending of American Psycho in that episode? Like yeah, so I'm bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like how we felt about it because i don't remember yeah okay because I, I specifically asked you like do you think it's like in his head or not whatnot okay and what did i say you said that uh you think you really had done it i think yep that's what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. also this is the only like this is one of three things i've seen peter Boyle in. 
Yeah. So a side note, yeah. it's just interesting because like I only know him as the monster from Young Frankenstein and also Clyde Bruckman from the best episode of the X-Files that the X-Files ever made. I know him from Young Frankenstein, this, and the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm. But I do, I was going to say it earlier. Now we can jump back to it. Uh, what's the guy's name? Peter Boyle? Peter Boyle. Uh, I was going to bring it up earlier, but I'll bring it up now. Um, the famous line you were saying where he's like, I got a lot of bad thoughts. And he's like trying to confess to Peter. Not confess, but like just talk it out with Peter Boyle. Mm-hmm. And Peter Boyle's like, listen, man, you do this, we do that. Everybody's doing this. Everyone's, you go through your life and you do this and you do that. And he's like trying to talk him through it. And then he's like, fuck it you know what do i know i don't even know what you're fucking trying to say to me right now yeah and i like that scene a lot i love that scene yeah yeah. um very much so just a guy who's not equipped to be having this conversation with him trying to make it better and not not doing that at all well yeah i mean another i guess it's another example in my opinion of like the thing that joker sets out to do just like it's an example of like when you're mentally ill and you don't have anything at your disposal like what do you do yeah maybe you try to talk to a guy you work with how far does that get you? Exactly, yeah. You know? I mean, what else does what else does uh, Travis uh, Bickle have? He has nothing. He has it, nothing. It, it seems almost intentional to a, to a point, too, yeah. where he works as a taxi driver, and the only like, co-workers he talks to are these people that he sometimes sees at this. Doesn't keep in touch with his family. I mean, that's a telltale. On purpose, on yeah. Purpose, like, yeah. lies to them about what he's doing and tells mm-hmm. them he can't tell them their address and stuff like that. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's very common for a lot of different, like, mental illnesses to isolate, to self-isolate. Yeah. You know? Um, to distance yourself from friends and family and stuff like that. Um, moving on to something else real quick. Uh, you pointed out while we were watching it, about everybody just putting sugar all over everything in this movie. Yeah, it's very, very. You brought it up when Jodie Foster is eating toast. Uh-huh. She puts so much fucking jelly <laughs> yeah, on that toast, and then pours a bunch of sugar all over it, and then yeah. puts another piece of bread with jelly on it, uh-huh. and then eats it like a sandwich. I was reading the woman she's always walking around with in this movie, the other prostitute, is a prostitute in real life, or was I'm not sure. Okay, but Jodie Foster was shadowing her, and that's how she ate. And that's how she ate. And Jodie Foster picked it up and just was doing it. But the reason she ate like that is because she it was, was delicious. It was so good. No, it's because she was getting. Twelve and a half. She was a, a recovering heroin addict, okay. and just overloading on sugar yeah. helped her cravings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Jodie Foster didn't know that, but Jodie Foster was like, "She's a lot of eats a lot of sugar, so yeah. I guess I'll do that." Yeah, I don't want to devolve into just being what i have been for the rest of the episode but just being a repository for wikipedia information but there's all that stuff about like them having to like desaturate the film oh, well this is wikipedia information that i don't know so tell me Maybe yeah they had to desaturate the film in the in the final act there because of all the blood to try to get past the censors i didn't know that and the cinematographer specifically uh said that it's one of his uh sort of like biggest like regrets is that like uh because they conceded to that um, and also just people didn't really give a shit about preservation too much at that time. There's no like surviving print yeah. of, of like the non color, you know, just, you know, desaturated video. You probably, they probably shouldn't do it, but I'd, I'd say technology is probably at a point where they could go in and recolor that now if they wanted to. It's Cooper. Doing what? Oh, she's going to fucking shit up. That's what she does. She knocks shit off shit. Hope so. Um, and then another little bit of Wikipedia, uh, information is um i guess uh there was a big sort of like humph 
about Jodie Foster being present specifically for the final scene. They actually had to like agree to submit her to like psychological testing to make yeah. to ensure that she had not been traumatized by being in that film. Yeah, I was reading uh, something that's contrary to that. That because there's a lot of scenes that Toviel or Judy jo- Judy Jodie Foster couldn't be in. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is her 19 year old sister. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then there's a little bit about her talking about how like uh, because of her age. Um, she said that uh, Martin Scorsese didn't really know how to handle her, like how to talk to her, especially about yeah. what like she needed to do kind of a thing. And so she points specifically to like uh, Robert De Niro being a very, very good like mentor to her during that time. And, I read something about how like yeah. before they did the diner scene, the two of them went to a diner and he just wanted to practice that scene for like hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Where she was like, I am so bored and I'm going to fall asleep because I'm 12 years old. He's like, no, we got to do this. We got to do this. <laughs> um, a little freak. The end, the, the the shootout at the end? Yeah. And this is definitely on me and just my 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 whiny young guy thing that I always do. Mm-hmm. It feels so flat for me. The whole really? Thing. That's crazy. I loved it. I, I thought it reminded me a lot of uh, the ending of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It does. Specifically. I know. I get it, and I get what they're going for, but what I'm saying is like, effects wise and probably because they desaturated it and stuff like yeah. that and i'm there might even be some editing to make it hit less which really makes it not hit for me but mm-hmm. like i just feel like he pulls out the knife and then it quick cuts to it being in someone's hand yeah and they're just like ah and it feels like i don't know, just a bunch of people with like push-in knives yeah or like uh like him like standing like this at, at, with his side pointing the camera and he just stabs it through his arm and his side and he's holding mm. it and he goes ah and he falls down or yeah. like the only part that gets me is when he shoots that guy's fingers off which also I noticed when I'm watching it they do a little foreshadowing he shoots off his ring middle and index finger so he's just got the pinky and the thumb earlier in the movie Betsy's talking to um, Nemo's dad can't remember the actor's name he's also in Drive you know what I'm talking about you know the actor I'm talking about Oh my god, what's his name? The curly-haired guy with glasses? Yes. He's, the, he's No, the, I don't know him at all. You do. He's the bad guy in Drive. Okay. Um, but anyway, she's talking to him, and she was like, I just saw this newsstand guy who just had a pinky and a thumb, and he could light a match. Oh. You tried to do it. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional, but I noticed yeah. it. Yeah. Neat, neat, neat. Albert Brooks. Yeah, doesn't ring a bell. I mean, I yeah, I definitely get that he's the guy from Drive for sure. That's really cool, actually. It's genuinely cool. But yeah, the name doesn't necessarily mean anything to me necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, he's Nemo's yeah. dad. He's okay. Marlin. That's interesting. I can hear that now too, that you've mentioned it. Yeah. No, those are all very cool things. I'm just saying that like, to me it was like, I thought it was just some guy who was in Taxi Driver and then didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't recognize yeah. him until I read it online that, that, yeah. that he played Tom. Very interesting. What about the woman who played Betsy? Because especially in her first scene, I was like, whoa, kind of a little wooden. She, I was reading online. I can't think of the actress's name, but they like, when they were casting her, they're like, "We wanted a, we want a so and so type," and they used her name, and they're like, "Oh, just get her," and they got her. Um, hold on, I'll find out her name. All right. Uh, Sybil Shepherd. And Sybil Shepherd was also in. Loading. She was in Sybil. A TV show from 1950, 1995 to 1998. Okay. Uh, Moonlighting, Last Picture Show, Chances Are, The Heartbreak Kid, Texasville. 
Well, maybe one day I'll see some of that. The Lady Vanishes. Daisy Miller. Oh, The Lady Vanishes from like 1948? 1979. Oh, okay. Once Upon a Crime. Click on that. Is that a remake? Yes. Hitchcock? Yes. Yeah. Because I've seen The Lady Vanishes, I'm pretty sure. That's interesting. I know they made it in 1979 as well, another one. Anyways. Also, I was reading... Hold on. I want to tell you the movies that came out the same year as Taxi Driver. Okay. Because I read it yesterday, and it seemed stacked. Well, yeah, it's crazy going back and looking at old years and their releases, because we just used to make so many more movies that, like, you know, a year would be jam-packed. You know, it'd be jam-packed. Nowadays, I don't even know what else is in theater besides the Batman right now. Yeah. What else is out? Just garbage. Like, I remember, like, I was thinking about it today. I can't even remember the name of that movie. But remember the trailer you showed me about the moon crashing into Earth? Moonfall. Moonfall. Yeah. And people always talk about, which which has um, merit, but it's just Marvel movies nowadays. It is. It's just Marvel movies. Yeah. And, like, little, like, not little, but, like, A24 films and stuff like that Mm kind of get pushed to the back of the theater and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Which is understandable, and I, I I know Disney very much. So it's like if we give you this movie, movie theater, you have to play it on this many screens, yeah. which means other movies get cut short, their mm. their time in the theater gets cut short, or they get pushed to the smaller screens and stuff like that. But I would also say if movies on the level of Moonfall, with the budget of Moonfall, and San Andreas or any other movie The Rock is in, weren't dog shit. Yeah. Marvel wouldn't have such a, a hold. Like, that's my... Yeah. But, like, when people complain about Marvel movies, I totally understand. There's a lot of valid criticism there. Mm-hmm. But they're all, at the very least, competent movies. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 yeah, that's just something that that, 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 that that gets me when I see movies that aren't Marvel movies but have Marvel movie budgets. Mm-hmm. They're just the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And I think that might be, in my opinion, a bigger problem than big 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 budget superhero movies you know? yeah yeah it's sad because it's it's one of those things that's like an awful sort of byproduct of streaming yeah. right because on one hand um why would you go out necessarily when you have it's just like having the internet in your pocket you know yeah why am i going to go to the library to use a one of their computers i'm just going to stay home and use my computer they, they, they that kind of a thing right um yeah, and so I, I remember reading somewhere the other day about how, you know, movie theaters are kind of going to go the way of actual, like, play theaters. Yeah. Where it's going to be one of those things where, like, I, you know, I, I know that, like, they're charging more for the Batman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's like, what was it, like, the CEO of AMC said, like, yeah, we're going to start doing that based on, like, the title. If it's a good title, we'll charge a little more. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know who it was, but something like that. And someone else had pointed that out again. They were like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened to theater. Theater used to be a thing where, like, if you had a nickel, you would go see some people do a fucking Shakespeare yeah. or do, like, you know, I see it all the time. I, you know, I follow some Instagram accounts that are, like, you know, just pictures of plays from the 20s or whatever. They're like, you think she's green now, but wait until she does this. And it's like, that's a long, that's a Panic in the Disco title, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, But, um, yeah, it's just something you could go do. But, you know, slowly and slowly movies pushed it into being the more popular movies were more popular and you know less than people less people win so you know theaters had to charge more to make up the difference and now it's more of like a, an occasion to go to the movies and how the movies are going to end up being like that and you know 
he used to crank out so many movies because there was demand for movies. Now there's no demand. It's sad also like TV one in a sense. Yeah. yeah. The small silver screen beat the big boy. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Cause I am very sad. Cause I do, it does seem that movies mm-hmm. are going to go kind of the way the Dodo or movie theaters. Yeah. Um, I'm also sad. I'm very sad about it. Cause there's something I, I, I love about going to see a movie with the full crowd of people. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who, but I'm taking this from, someone else, i heard someone else say this but it is it, seeing a movie with a bunch of people is like a small ego death yeah like you stop becoming chris and i stop becoming nick and us and everybody there becomes the audience yeah and you're, it's almost like the collective consciousness like that's the yeah cool, one second. it's almost like the collective consciousness yeah it, it, it because it's like one of these things where i keep hitting this sorry it's almost like the collective consciousness Take four. It's almost like the collective consciousness, uh, because like you know, it's it's one of these things where like like uh, if you and I see the Terminator two together or even separate, now it's something that like it's forever going to link us together. That's an experience we've had, even if we've yeah. never had an experience together before. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just really cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and like, and there's something they feel like just worlds apart. Me and you sitting on our couch watching Terminator. And the sun's coming from the window, and I can see a little bit on the top corner over the screen, and something's happening, and I check my phone real quick, and then I put it back in my pocket, and then you check your phone real quick, and then Cooper makes a sound, or we pause it because I have to go pee, and then we pause it again because you're like, oh, I got to eat, or something like that, as opposed to sitting in a dark room Mm -hmm. where I am one of a hundred people who are all having this experience together where this is what's happening and nothing else. Yeah. Um, And I just love it. I think it's magic. It is magic. But... I also don't hate the idea of movie theaters becoming like, um, I can't think of it with the one in uh, Royal Oak that shut down. Oh, uh, main art. Yeah. About uh, movie theaters becoming like the main art Mm -hmm. where if you want to go see a movie in a movie theater, it still exists. They're not on every corner anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's something you can go do with other yeah. people who also like to do this. So it might be a little bit better experience of, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have kids screaming in there or people eating, you know, uh, very smelly fast food that they snuck in with them. And stuff like that. <laughs> but also at the same who time, gets the tuna sandwich from Subway. Yeah. I'll be seeing it with like probably a third of the people. And we might all be very similar people. So we're all going to have very similar reactions to what's happening. Like I love, love in movie theaters. With, like when I went and saw the Batman, spoilers when he what that one guy gets shot and he falls underneath the light and batman falls underneath the street light and batman looks up and goes and you'll bring him out to the light a guy two seats down from me went oh shit and i was like oh that's so good or a joke that won't really hit at a 10 for me if i watch a movie by myself if a crowd is laughing behind me it's just funnier to me Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's just that thing where you all become this one big entity Mm -hmm. um and sharing it with a bunch of people is better even if they are smelly and a little bit loud sometimes uh i love television deeply oh yeah so obviously i don't mean this is like some kind of grand indictment i'm just kind of like observation in my opinion it's a slightly inferior art form television yeah I think it just ends up being a little more diluted because of how long it goes yes. on for. Yeah. Um, you have to vamp. You have to fill time. Um, and I don't mean that as like, you know, like I'm, I'm saying like, oh, it's pornography. We should burn it all. I love television. Yeah. I watch the X-Files all the time. Um, 
But anyways, it's just, it's mainly a bummer to me because like I don't like just personally the era uh, that we're entering in where like every month and a half I have a new full show that I have to watch all of. Yeah. You know, like it just Which... feels, it feels like every month it's like, oh, you know, you got to watch uh, the new season of Stranger Things. Oh, you got to watch the, the Peacemaker just came out. Or, oh God, now new Ozark's out and it's like each one of these commitments are like eight, nine, 10, 11 hours or something like that. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, hey, Terminator 2 just came out. It's like two hours. Bang. Got it. This week, I'm in the loop. At the water cooler, I know what's going on. Yeah. And it's not not an original thought, but very much so. I think a lot of these TV shows that that come out, I don't know why I put the emphasis there. A lot of these TV shows that come out that are eight episodes would be so much better if they were two hours. Yeah. Like, it is a move. It is a made-for-TV movie that they're just stretching, and it's like, okay. Well, that's well, a brand-new problem also, yeah, yeah 100%. Okay, yeah. well, now episode three is just going to be about the housekeeper, so you get a little bit more invested in the housekeeper when she eventually dies mm-hmm. two episodes from now. It's like, I don't need that. Uh, you could just, you know, write her a little better and then keep it yeah. in two hours, and then she ends up dying. It's yeah. one of the things I like about British television is at least the shows that I'm familiar with, like, just to run them down for a second, pretty much anything Ricky Gervais touches from The Office to The Extras to Derek. Seasons, never more than six episodes. No yeah. season of Peach, Peach, Peep Show went for eight or nine seasons. Every season was six episodes. Yeah, and I, I think with the exception of Doctor Who, almost every TV show over there, yeah, six, six episodes a series and two, three, if you're lucky, seasons. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great. It's yeah. just it, it just it becomes this perfect little thing that exists forever. Mm-hmm. But also, I really like like when it comes to TV. I think it's a I think Dan Harmon says all the time. Yeah, television is not art, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be. No, it has to. Like I I don't know exactly what I'm gonna say here or what I'm trying to say here, but just what I love about television compared to movies. When I go see a movie and I got this big two hour experience that'll if it's a good it'll stick with me for the rest of my life television is very much so these short chunks that are well when cable television was around yeah these short chunks that are with me all the time yeah and it's just there it's there whenever i need it Mm -hmm. it's comforting and they've got these nice little lessons in it and they can wrap it very short and these nice contained 30 minute episodes and that being said i i breaking bad is one of the best things i've ever seen in my entire life yeah and it's five seasons uh, talking like 20 episodes a season yeah and I wouldn't have it any other way but there is something I think also magical about the X-Files mm-hmm. where you could watch one episode of the X-Files and go mm, I'm full I got a beginning a middle and an end that was great you know or also you could watch another one and be like wow zero stars you literally wasted 43 minutes of my life I threw up that last episode I just watched <laughs> I'll watch another one see if that one makes me cool um, but yeah, that's the neat thing also is like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's obviously television is a transitory pe- uh, period. And again, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm trying to be like angry nerd guy who's like, why are things different now? But uh, I think you touched on something that I, I feel like I don't even know what I'm saying, but like I, it resonated with me at the time when you said TV is an art and it, and it, it shouldn't be art. Um, yeah, probably putting my foot in my mouth or whatever, but it, it, that's another thing is like when I just see so much of TV just at a glance these days. Um, so much of it looks like it's trying to be art. Yes. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like the marvelization of movies 
with streaming it's like the 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 streamification or whatever the fuck they call it of movie of, of tv shows everything's so like dark and just like yeah nothing happens for a long time but it's, it doesn't feel like an artistic thing it feels more like a buying some time because like you know i'm just almost regurgitating what you said a second ago but like yeah it just feels like you have enough ideas for a good movie but netflix gave you a lot of money to make nine episodes so let's linger on yeah. this maid a little while longer yeah, yeah. You know? I, I i i think i, I think it again this is also coming from a guy who's i mean i don't even know what's the most modern tv show i've watched recently i mean yeah i've kept very up to date with stranger things and i loved it um i watched some of game of thrones i like i i was just you just you, watched dexter i just watched dexter i thought it was fine yeah. dexter i feel like is like the very beginning of the golden age of television which I think we're out of now. Yeah. Um, I, that might not be accurate if you talk to the mass majority of people, but I think, like, starting with, like, Dexter and then Breaking Bad and then Mad Men and for a while The Walking Dead, that was the golden days of television. I'll get into that in a second. Mm. But I think, yeah, that new season of Dexter very much so felt like Dexter. Yeah. Um, which very much so feels like a TV show that you watch week to week. Yeah. And more more streaming services are doing that now mm -hmm. where new episodes will come out every week. Which I think is cool because that's one of the things that, in my opinion, take it or leave it. When it I think that's like some of the magic that's being lost with television. Yeah, but I think a good amount of these shows that are coming out week to week aren't meant to be like that. Yeah. They still feel like the Netflix shows that are one thing stretched out to eight episodes. So whenever I watch next week's episode, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, this was happening. Yeah. And I think it 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 kind of all streams back to I'm gonna use Breaking Bad as the standard for the golden age of television. Yeah. Because I, I think, think that's it fair. Is. Yeah. I think I I put my money where my mouth is that Breaking Bad is the best television show that's ever been made. Um I think it's one of the best things ever made yeah um certainly one of the most important and most influential yes absolutely that you know breaking bad was a, a television show and it was serialized i think that's the right word yeah it was serialized where it was one story being told from episode to episode to episode to episode and television shows are like that the way they are kind of like with netflix shows and stuff like that because breaking bad i think really got its got into its groove when it went to Netflix and people could watch all of it at once. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is great. But the thing about Breaking Bad is it was always running on AMC mm -hmm. Sundays at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. That's where you had to see a new episode of Breaking Bad and that's how it was written. Mm -hmm. And everything, like I guess, stretches back, stretches back to Breaking Bad where you where it's like okay well we've got people and they're going to watch all of these and they're going to watch all of them in order mm -hmm. so yeah just like breaking bad we can take our time and we can do this and then we can do this and it's gonna be one story that people watch for a while but the thing about breaking bad that i love the most and it probably it definitely comes from it being week to week breaking bad is the most breakneck speed show i've ever seen mm -hmm. so much happens in every single episode that mm -hmm. would be impossible for you for you to forget what happened in the last episode because mm -hmm. so much important shit happened that you're like i i am waiting for that next episode yeah it is in my head all week long um 
and so I think it's just it's a symptom of people of, of the golden age of television happening and people I guess taking the wrong lessons from it. Yeah, it's also like a thing. Again, I mean, a lot of this is me talking about my ass because I'm just analyzing. Oh, same, it absolutely. 100%. As we talk, but you know, one thing I want to mention on that topic is like also you know like when you put out a show back then, you had to bring your A game because yeah. you had to keep your slot. Yeah. If you didn't draw, you were gonna lose eight o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, and, yeah, and with like Netflix and stuff like that, or streaming services, when they put you out a get TV a season, show, you you're gonna a... make a season. You don't have to worry about that season. I mean, yeah, you might be worried like, oh, am I gonna get a season two? But your check got cut. Yeah. You got season one, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. I can only assume it's like that. Maybe they get paid based on oh, how many times they get streamed or whatever. But I'm and assuming they get some money up front. And I was watching a, a little thing today. Uh, Dan Harmon talking with the cast of Community and stuff like that, and talking about their favorite episodes, and. Um, this feels like a very specific point in time where, uh, if you think about it before this, my analogy for why, for, uh, for me backing up what you just said kind of falls apart. But they were talking about, I think it's like the first Halloween episode. And I think like one of them said like, this feels like a second pilot. Everybody in this is clicking and it feels like the show knows what it wants to do now. And Dan was talking about how like for the first time that he can remember Twitter was happening. And while they were shooting this Halloween episode, the pilot was premiering and he was on Twitter reading people talking about it. And the jokes and things people were connecting with weren't like great set up punchline jokes. It was like character stuff and character jokes, which is something I love about community. And I think we've agreed on this before that a joke that is funny that, you know, Jeff Winger says in that show it's funny because Jeff Winger is saying it to this person in this context. If mm-hmm. those three things weren't there, that joke wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And Dan was like, oh, people are connecting to that. So I, that's probably the strength of the show. So I'll write this episode more like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that episode that people point to of like, oh, this is where that show's, this is where the show starts. Mm-hmm. And it's that thing like you're, you were saying, you got to go from week to week and you're not guaranteed all those episodes. So you're yeah. like, I got to be on my A game now. Yeah. And another thing, I guess on the week-to-week topic real quick, also I just want to mention that I just feel like each episode used to have a much more traditional story structure in the sense that like you had to bang, bang, bang that one, two, three act each time because it had to feel conclusive enough that you didn't feel like you wasted your Sunday evening, but also not so conclusive that you weren't looking forward to next Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like that weird thing of like completing the circle, but also leaving it a little open to what could happen next, even if it were a sitcom, you know? Um, there's something I've really, 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 really been glossing over. I can't remember offhand. Oh, I just thought of something. If you remember oh. what you're going to say. Oh, do you remember? Yeah. Okay, go for it. Um, also, I think another uh, problem is, is all a symptom of how centralized media distribution is at this point i mean even like social media um has kind of like kept everybody on the internet in the same few places everything kind of comes from the same place uh same thing with like uh television it all comes from like netflix hulu or hbo max or disney plus like you know there's like three or four places you can go to get it um yeah i don't know i just you know it feels like back in the day like i understand that there are production houses and that can be different but i feel like every netflix original feels like a netflix original (laughs) yeah like it's one of those things like we're like growing up like there's fox there's tnt there's amc i mean there's you know comedy central there's uh 
TBS, there's ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, it just felt like, it just feels like there was a little, a little more variety with like what things um, but also felt to, like, to I guess. To be fair, for a very long time, there were just like three television stations. Yeah. Um, but I think an upside to not talk just shit on streaming TV and stuff like that. I think it, it's a very, uh, we are in a very cool place, or I guess we were. That's what I'm trying to say. And I don't feel this way anymore. Just the idea of something going on a streaming service and, hey, this isn't going to be on CBS in front of the world. This is going to be here for people who want to watch it. Mm -hmm. So do what you like. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And that was cool. But I feel like it's gotten to a point where everybody who watches these things responds to a very specific, not a very specific thing, but responds to specific things about it. Mm -hmm about people do whatever they like so whether it's like netflix telling people to do it or these streaming services getting a hand in there and being like well this is what people respond to mm -hmm. they all feel the same mm -hmm. i was just telling you before we started this i started watching pay matami because uh i heard someone talking about it and they kind of sold me on it and i started watching it and i was like no this is just exactly how i feel about every other tv show yeah. It's just, oh, you start this way, and here's the clear-cut good guy and the clear-cut bad guy, and uh-oh, episode two starts, you're starting to feel for the bad guy a little bit. And I, yeah. I bet you episode three is going to start, and I'm going to start hating the good guy a little bit. <laughs> um, oh, what I was going to say, I'm sorry, just jumping out of order in this conversation, this tangent that we're having, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you the movies that came out around Taxi Driver in a second. Um, Forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Uh, g going back to the, the Breaking Bad thing for just a second about how breakneck that um, show was, they did one episode, it was The Fly, I'm sure you remember it, mm -hmm. where they did the thing that every TV show does now. Where they Every go, TV show does. We're going to take an episode and just explore the dynamic between these people or mm -hmm. this person or this th these group of people. And The Fly, they did that. It's a, a, bo a bottle episode where just the two of them are in that lab and he's kind of losing his mind because he wants to kill that fly. People fucking hate that episode. Mm -hmm. It is regarded as like the worst episode of Breaking Bad. It's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. and I think it's done probably better than any of these other shows. But just, uh, yeah, it's just a symptom of that, of like, well, you know, Breaking Bad did that. And now every episode, every TV show does that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, uh, it, uh, I don't like it. I don't know what that accent was. We'll cut that. I don't like it. Oh, on the topic of positives, it's also nice that um, uh, we're entering into an era where, like, it seems like you can snag some big stars to be in TV shows. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I do like that. There is no distinction between TV and movies yeah. anymore. Everyone just does everything. That's very, that's very That cool. is really nice because, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. Like, I can think of plenty of examples of, like, people being like, well, I've done this show for about eight seasons now. I guess it's time for me to go to Hollywood. And then they're not working out for them, you yeah. know. And there being, like, a clear distinction between movie stars and TV stars. Um, and also, I think Peacemaker, I don't know, I didn't yeah. watch it much. I saw it in a glance, but it is neat to see. Uh, that seems like a lot of freedom given to a creator. Just like, hey. Absolutely. You know? it's, it's what we were talking yeah. about with uh, when we saw Suicide Squad. It feels like a thing made by a guy. Yeah. Um, I don't like it, mm. if I'm being honest. And I watched all of it. I think Peacemaker is fine. Mm -hmm. It's just a very specific James Gunn thing that I just don't care for. 
Yeah. I do really appreciate that it's a thing made by a guy. I think we've talked about this on the show mm-hmm. already. Um, it's got to be like a modern day equivalent of like something like, um, just in my opinion, like, you know, like how like I'll be like, oh, fuck. From 1989, there's two seasons of an animated Swamp Thing cartoon. I'm going to watch some of that. You know, like in 20 years, that's probably what it's going to amount to. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. That's yeah. very cute. But I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, I guess it's just it's just like it's always been. There's going to be a lot of TV that's just that. And yeah. perhaps it's us responding to that is what we're doing right now is just responding to how much TV is just that. So. Um, but I my only real retort to that is just that, like, like take it away from the... Uh, you know the tv thing i i I, it just seems like in general in music in tv and movies tv is probably the least affected but it just seems like the mass media outlets like that uh it feels like there's a lot less content yeah like you're about to yeah not necessarily like um overall because when you overall like lump in when you think of like like something like spotify you also have to include every mu- bit of music that's ever come out. But I'm talking about like new stuff that gets released. Yeah. Like uh, the way you're about to rifle off all of the great movies that just came that came out in like 1970, whatever it was. I mean, I, I just I, I wonder if we looked at like 1989 and we saw all of the great albums that came out that year, and then we looked at 2019 and we saw how many albums were considered best of the year. I would assume it'd be fractional comparatively. Yeah. Like I just feel like there's more. Because we've opened the door to, hey, everything that's ever been created is yours. You're in a Garden of Eden when it comes to content. Yeah. But I feel like as a whole, we're putting out less. So anyways. I think that, that I think about that. I've never thought about these two things together. Yeah. Uh, I know it's exactly the same when it comes to TV, movies, and music. Uh-huh. And everything I'm saying about TV right now, I absolutely love about music. Yeah, I love that there is so much music available to everybody all the time mm-hmm. that I can find new music from every single person I talk to yeah. that I know I'm going to like. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, I think I, I think it's a little uh, it's a it's a it is a little disappointing that there's not, with the exception of Marvel movies, um, just these movies like I'm going to rifle off from 19. 19- 76 that everybody saw because mm-hmm. those were the movies that were out and, and uh, on the other hand i do think it's very cool there's a lot of movies and you can go see what you'd like and that means more movies are getting made and i like yeah. that but i mean this whole yeah, conversation so, has been more of a pros and cons thing yeah than like a but yeah as a whole i, I think i think i think i feel differently about music than i do tv because if i talk to somebody about music and they're like oh you have to listen to this I'm like awesome i'll listen to that later and then we can keep talking about music yeah but if i go to someone i go have you seen this movie and they go no i'll make sure i'll watch it i'll go oh okay <laughs> yeah have you seen this no i have yeah. it's like ah okay but with movie music and TV i feel like falls apart yeah quick it's such a much it's a way bigger investment Music, you yeah. pop that shit on, you do the dishes. You pop that shit on, you hop in the shower. You pop yeah. that shit on, you go to work. And also, usually it's half of the time of even a short movie. So on that topic, you mentioned like, oh, everybody saw these. That's something that always fucks me up too is like I frequently think about like just how that has gone away in a lot of ways. I, I mean, it's still here in the sense that like, oh, when Peacemaker comes out for two weeks... You know, everybody can talk about Peacemaker if you watched it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, like, 
I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just the way that like society changes in general. Like, I mean, maybe if I had more of a feeling of connection to like, maybe like Twitter or some sort of space like that. But like, I don't know. It's something like the Batman, right? I, you know, friends and strangers alike. I can talk to people about Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, I pretty much, I don't really know anybody who's not seen it at this point. Um, but I just feel like with TV, it's one of those things where like a lot of these TV shows end up being uh, something like Peacemaker where like probably a lot of people I know not going to see it and I'm probably not going to bump into too many people yeah. on the streets that are going to see it. It's very niche, right? Like content's being made for niche audiences, whereas movies are still a mass media in the sense that like they're trying to get as many asses in the seat as possible, right? So anyways, what I'm really getting at is it's interesting to think of that idea as like sort of like passe I mean, it is, I can confirm, because even in, like, college classes I had that had to do with marketing or or mass media in general, they've, they've talked about how, like, if you're in those circles, if that's what your job is, the idea of marketing something to everybody is dead. They've yeah. realized that there's more money in, like, this is the Kleenex for goths who don't really vibe with anime. For some reason, they really like Garfield. Like, you're really trying to find your niche. I swear to God, you're... <laughs> you, they're, they're really trying to find their niche audiences. That's where the money's at, right? Yeah, but and, I, just, I just love that. The idea of Kleenex for goths who don't like Garfield. <laughs> um, oh, I gotta blow my nose so bad, but boy, so sick of Garfield. <laughs> but anyways, but you know what I mean. So it's just one of those things where, like, I, I, I uh, oh, let me take that joke again. Oh, I gotta wipe off my eyeliner, but oh, I'm so sick of Garfield. <laughs> but it's just interesting to think of like there, there being like touchstones of culture so frequently, just like the way a rabbit shits, just turd after turd after turd, little balls just. You know, I don't know what happened in this year, but just being like, you know, you know, E.T., Back to the Future, Terminator 2. Like, it just seems like when you look at lists of movies that came out in the 80s or even the 90s, like, oh, here's the future, Goodwill Hunting. Like, it just seems like like a dozen times in a year you're just getting hit with, like, like you know, like L.A. Confidential, like, losing to Titanic or yeah. something like that. And, you know, L.A. Confidential had six of, like, you know, some of your top paid actors in Hollywood in it. But anyways. Um, yeah, it just, we can, I mean... It's not a conversation I want to get into, but yeah, just what we're saying. It's just oversaturation of everything because we mm. get everything so fast and this is not an original idea or original thought, but just how many fucking just world-shattering news headlines come out mm-hmm. that we just forget about because so much is happening so much all the time. Yeah. And that's also fair. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about could also just be that. Could just be that our 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 our, our short slash long term or whatever you want to call it is just shot because of how just constantly twenty four seven just new 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 new. You know. Absolutely. I don't know. Okay. You taxi. Or any of the movies that came out in nineteen seventy six around Taxi Driver? Yes. Uh, David Bowie's The Man Who Fell to Earth. Okay. The Omen. Okay. Carrie. Okay. Uh, Carrie Rips. The Outlaw Jody Wel- Josie Wells. Okay. King Kong. Nice. Logan's Run. Nice. And uh, fucking Rocky. Wow. That seems so stacked. I love doing that, though. I love looking at old years and being like... Was oh. that just the whole year? Those were like the big ones? Yeah. Okay. Um, just the ones that I recognize that I like the most. Oh, I gotcha. Um, I do. I just love doing that. I love looking at movies that came out... Because you could do that in so many years. Yeah. You just look at it and be like this is the best year for movies ever. And then you yeah. look at the next year and you go, this is the best year for movies ever. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely follow Instagrams that do that. They'll just like put like fucking 14 movies up on there and just be like, yeah, this is summer 
you know, Friday the 13th Part 3 came out, Jaws came out, E.T. came out, you know, The Fugitive came out. I'm just pulling the same names I used earlier, for my example. I understand the, the distance between some of those movies. Like, I think The Fugitive was probably 90 or 91. But anyways, uh, I think The Taxi Driver gets a nice A from me. Same, Chris. Uh, we agree too often on the show, but I give Taxi Driver a solid A. And that is that mattress man. Christ alive, we talked so much about not these movies. Yeah. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time... 